Okay, hello again, everybody. What's up, chat? Welcome back. Yeah, so we're here for part six of this epic series of uh, our top 100 list of favorite films. Um, yeah, uh, sort of a short week. We did the last one on Monday and doing this one on Sunday. Uh, so <laughs> we're just keeping the ball rolling, keeping it rolling, keeping it rolling. Gotta, gotta get them out there. Gotta get the discussions out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, like we said, you know, every episode, we just try to, you know, just give the context. This is not like the Tabula Rasa. This isn't brought down from God as like the definitive hundred films of all time. These are just our lists. They're subjective. They have to do yeah. with how we feel right now. And we're just doing this for fun so that there's a discussion about film and stuff and our opinions about different films. Yeah, it, more than anything, it's a fun exercise. And uh, everybody take a breather, you know, breathe in, breathe out. We made it. We're in the second half now. So if you're just joining us in the second half, that's, you know, probably a good idea. You skipped 15 hours of the rest of the conversation, but it's fine. Uh, put us on 2X and, you know, just hang out and, and strap in because the second half uh, of our list should get really interesting. I don't really know what to expect from Ibrahim's list. I know my list is going to be half traditional picks, half just bizarro picks. So, uh, yeah, it's all subjective. So don't take it like, you know, we're not actually counting down the top 100 films of all time. We're just doing the ones that we really, really like. And we're giving you all of the context as to why that is. Yeah. And, you know, again, a lot of this is just for discussion's sake, you know, just yeah. leads to good discussions. Like we've, Talked about a ton of different films, a ton, a ton, a ton of different. Films. Yeah, very many. So that's that's kind of the fun part is like talking about different stuff and seeing like, oh, this, I've you know, I've never heard it. Like there's a lot of films Lucian's brought up that I've not seen. Same. Same on the other side. And um, yeah, the side, some of the side discussions are, are really interesting as well. So it's it's fun maybe going back and kind of checking through, digging through the timestamps and seeing what's going on with uh, with our picks. Yeah, some good movie pitches. <laughs> yeah, right, right. For, yeah. for anyone who <laughs> who knows certain certain people in the film business, maybe you can get a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, so yeah, let's get started. So we're at number 50. And so yes. I guess, Lucian, you're going to start on your number 50 for today. Mm -hmm. So what you got? Yeah, dude. My number 50 is uh, Jimmy Popeye Doyle coming in, The French Connection. Um, the yeah. Hackman cometh, dude. He's coming in. He's hunting you down. He's saying racist shit. He's 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 all about. He's every. He's, he he is a he is a complete picture. This character. What an interesting character. Uh, he's a he's a he he's a cop. He's a narcotics officer, I believe, in uh, New York City. The movie came out in 1971, so it's set. You know, it's contemporary with that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and this movie is known for obviously the car chase scene at the end and, um, kind of the innovative, like the, the street filming that they did where they didn't really have permits and they just kind of showed up and they kind of orchestrated the whole thing. Uh, the reason that I love this movie and the reason it's on the list, and there's another movie from, uh, Billy Friedkin on the list already is Billy Friedkin. I love this director. He's one of my favorite directors, bar none. He's just so good at. I don't know. He he ha he does he has a lot of like extreme elements in his movies. Um like he really goes there for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like he doesn't really cut corners. He'll he'll show you the violence, he'll show you again the language, the uh nudity, whatever the case may be, like he doesn't cut any corners. He's one of the wonderkin, you know, of the new Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh he's also in like after sorcerer is another he's a, one of the elite kind of tier of directors that Hollywood like after that movie came out and made no money 
despite how just a mind-blowingly amazing of an achievement it is, and it's not just his movie, it's that came out the same year as Apocalypse Now, came out a year before Heaven's Gate. So, like, we talked about this already, like, but he's one of the guys that was right in there with, you know, Coppola and Chimino and, and all of those people. But before that, what really got him started was The French Connection. He'd done a couple movies for, for like, Sonny and Cher and, like, stupid commercial shit like that. And then The French Connection comes out, and it's just this really hard-boiled, gritty detective cop movie. Uh, and it's got Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. And Roy Scheider's so great in this movie. Roy Scheider's, like, the, the kind of... Uh, he's like the angel on his shoulder and on Popeye Doyle's shoulder and Popeye Doyle is just entirely the devil uh, yeah. and he will stop at nothing to to get his man and this movie has a weird ending and has a weird like William Friedkin ending the same type of ending that you see later in uh, To Live and Die in LA which is on my list is just, it's not like a satisfying ending it's a little bit of a twist ending it's kind of like a ugh you know but um, worth seeing for the car chase I mean worth seeing for the character of Popeye Doyle for Gene Hackman himself and uh, it's just got such a grit to it that like an early that you don't really see in early 70s movies. And they've got a lot of really good like we were talking about how some of these new Hollywood guys were like students of other film movements that other the generation before them was not. So there's a lot of like French new wave in here. I want to say there's a lot of kind of just long still shots. We're following someone, you know, walking across the street. And, you know, it's it's composed and blocked in really interesting ways. And I just can't say enough good things about The French Connection. Yeah, it's it's one of those super classic films. Like, that car chase is great. Again, Gene Hackman in this time was just, just so amazing. Just firing off, dude. <laughs> yeah, just performance yeah. at the performance that was classic and incredible. Um, yeah. you, earlier on your list, you talked about uh, one. It was him and Pacino in sort of like a... Uh, Scarecrow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Scarecrow. Um and yeah, he's just like again, he's really good in this. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and and yeah, it's it's some because this place takes place in New York, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it New takes York place this, in New York and was like shot in the streets of New York. Yeah, New York at this time was like in the doldrums. Like this was a this was one of the worst times. Uh, the crime was like through the roof. Um, there was. You know, I, I think they got into this in like that movie Joker. Like there was these basically mm-hmm. they there were times where they wouldn't pick up the trash. There were giant rats <laughs> all over the place. Like right. like giant rats. And it's just like, man. And and you know, the 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 crime was swelling up and it was it was kind of, you know, destroying <laughs> society. And then it the 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 reflexively what it created in the police was equally as crazy. <laughs> exactly. I was just gonna say that. That's kind of you've kind of just summed it up yeah that's it's it's about the kind of like Popeye Doyle is like the mirroring of the the criminal world but from the police perspective and he's just as corrupt as the rest of the guys or he's just as corrupt as the criminals in terms of he'll go to any lengths to to stop them and I just now remembered um this movie also has a couple scenes like when they're uh, in, the, in the chop shop and they're like completely breaking apart that car to find the drugs inside the car or whatever and it's very like um it's very nat like I don't know how to like it doesn't feel staged. It just feels like you're in a room watching these people break down a car, like manically looking for drugs. And it's kind of the same it's the same vibe that again with the with the money um with the money printing and to live and die in LA. It's just got that like raw kind of like you voyeur it's got some voyeuristic kind of tendencies. I don't know. It's an interesting movie. And I've, like you said, it's a, it's an absolute classic, but yeah. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like they're 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 fiending for drugs too or something right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but like for a, you know for a different 
for a different reason. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly for a different reason. But then you know, by the end of it, you're just like, I don't even know who I like. I, uh. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there. That's the thing too. Like, there's right. There's no real good guys, right? right. And that's, not really. Yeah, and that pulling that off well gives you a certain feeling because it's like that's kind of that's kind of how the world is on some levels. Like sometimes it's just things happen. And we'll get to a film that I'll talk about later, which kind of really goes into kind of stuff like that, where trying to do the right thing can make things go even worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, th- I feel like that was in the myths at the, in, around this time. Uh, it was the, it was in the ether for sure. The 70s was definitely like yeah. <laughs> there was there was a lot of turmoil. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, special shout out to The French Connection, too. Um, directed by John Frankenheimer. Not as good as the first one, but uh, damn, what a movie. That movie's got a, just real quick, it's got like a 20-minute uh, scene where Gene Hackman's a heroin addict, and he's mm. like coming off of his addiction with this like French dude in this like French prison almost, and it's intense, dude. French wow. Connection 2 does not fuck around. I recommend it. Um, and also, I think the second movie ever named 2 after The Godfather Part 2? Um there's like a historical thing about that because after Godfather Part Two, you know, because the 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 classic story is that the studios didn't want to call anything Part Two because they just assumed people expected it to be the second half of the first movie of or whatever movie that they saw. So French Connection comes out, French Connection, Roman numeral two, and uh, it's a straight continuation. It picks up right at the end of the first movie, and um, I don't believe Roy Scheider's in it, which kind of sucks. But Gene Hackman is fucking manic in that movie and uh, it's great it's it's yeah. great stuff came out like 1974 or something so yeah he puts in work with these performances it's amazing yeah absolutely amazing. cool um all right so my number 50 is john ford film uh the searchers sort of probably known as like his I best love film it. love um, it yeah so this <laughs> so this this is a this is a film so what's interesting about this film too i feel like so just to give context this film is about this guy so um John Wayne plays a Civil War vet, and um, he's I think I think basically it's sort of sort of his family like they're on the frontier, and then they get raided by some Native Americans, and they kill a bunch of people, but they take their youngest daughter to to mm-hmm. be a part of the tribe, and this sends him off John Wayne off to literally search the end of the earth to find her, and you know throughout we're kind of questioning why he wants to do it because it seems a little you know there there's a lot there this is a very dark character he's very very Mm -hmm. dark one of the things that really stood out to me i think probably like the first or second time that i watched it like this guy the main character is so evil that he um he will do this thing like whenever he kills a native american person from a certain tribe part of their religion is that if your eyes are gone when you're dead you can't see when you're dead Mm -hmm. so you'll wander Mm -hmm. the afterlife blind forever so he'll deliberately cut people's eyes out after he kills them Mm -hmm. like this dude is this dude is really hardcore (laughs) yeah yeah um and yeah they just spend most of the movie just like looking for these people and we kind of think you know is he gonna kill her is he you know is he just not gonna accept that now that she's sort of been assimilated into this native american tribe that he's gonna kill her is there a sexual thing there like there's a lot of questions that we have to ask and then you know at the end he finds the tribe he kills these guys he chops the 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 head of the tribe chops his eyes out finds her and this super dramatic moment he doesn't kill her he takes her back to the family and we get one of the greatest shots of all time of him standing outside of the the door Mm -hmm. and we just see the frame of the door Mm -hmm. and 
What's so powerful about this film is that this film is actually sort of a revisionist. It's really kind of attacking the thing that John Ford spent most of his career building up, creating these yeah. characters that are like John Wayne, these people who go out and they do violence, but it's for the greater good. This film is saying that those people have no place in the society that they're tr trying to defend. And at the end, he, he just sort of can't be a part of this thing. And he kind of just walks off into the sunset and that's it. It's mm -hmm. an incredible film. It's an incredible mm -hmm. film. I kind of feel like, unfortunately, I think that this film is kind of, I think pe people that watch it nowadays, like if you saw this today, I think a lot of people kind of don't get what made it so special, like why it's so yeah, so referenced, why it's so revered. Um, you just, they just see John Wayne just going, you know, just like being super evil. And they're like, what the hell is this movie? Mm -hmm. But this movie is actually really subverting what the genre had done for so long and done by one of the greatest, you know, directors of the Western genres. It's really amazing what this film does. <laughs> What's really funny to me is, yeah, like you said about this movie is it's such a, it's such a, it flips kind of the whole notion of like who we should be rooting in a Western for, you know, like the, the hero, the hero that, it's very meta because it's like the hero that John Ford created, you know, yeah. uh, like he, he puts him in stagecoach or whatever. But before that, he I mean, the, the stagecoach was his like big coming out moment. You've got that shot where like, you know, we we yeah. push into him and he's got the gun mm -hmm. on the horse and he's whatever. Mm -hmm. So like John Ford creates jo uh, John Wayne in a, in a way in many ways. And then, yeah, like it just flips it on his head. And then when you ask him, you know, like when you said uh, when people ask John Ford about like, so what do you? what do you think about how you're evolving your own genre? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just making movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so funny to me. It's so funny. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is absolutely one of the great, cause you know me, I mean, I love, I love when you take a thing that's idealistic or just kind of is saccharine in any way. And then you flip it on its head and you, you expose the darkness. I'm, I'm obsessed with exposing darkness. Uh, and this, uh, this is a great, the fact that this comes from John Ford is, is pretty phenomenal. It's unbelievable. And it's really funny that he, I guess he just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we know if, or if we'll ever know why he's kind of like very coy about it because he then does it again with like the man who shot Liberty Valance, which is all yeah. about these kind of the mythology yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and sort of subverting these kind of lies and fairy tales we tell about people and make them great. Um, yeah. And that's, again, another one where he takes John Wayne and he kind of presents him in a way. And also uh, he, he presents him in like he shows him as weak almost. Yeah. And also yeah. what's his name is in that, too. Um, Jimmy Stewart. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Oh, Lee Marvin is the bad guy, dude. Lee Marvin is the bad guy. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's just you can clearly see there's a progression. Yeah. There's a progression and there's a mm -hmm. there's a movement. What's so amazing about this one, though, is that it's so subtle. Right. Mm -hmm. we don't know for sure how it's going to play until the end. Mm -hmm. And it's only at the very end when he doesn't kill her, when he goes to the, to the back home and he gives, gives her back to them. And we get that final shot. That's when it totally pays off mm -hmm. that shot. That one shot pays off the whole thing. But up until that point, he could have just, you know, I don't know, killed, maybe not killed her, but like, we could have had a totally different ending that kind of made it like, yeah, he had justified. And, you know, he, he did You're the right. right thing for America, yeah. you know? But it we doesn't do that. We could have had that, yeah. I, I would have expected that. that too from John Ford, even. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it doesn't do that, and it just kind of he goes off into the sunset and sort of. It, what's interesting too is he does he did then John Wayne does an homage to another previous Western character. So the whole thing is like it, it's it's layered and layered of Western yeah. mythology. Yeah. Just you know, parting itself out, and it's 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 it's, it's something to behold because yeah, I just feel like. 
we're we're a little bit too far away from you know the western being the dominant force of entertainment in american pop culture mm-hmm. for people to see all the things that this film's doing but this film is so influential it is so absolutely that one shot alone of of uh the doorway of of the house that yeah. he does like twice in the movie one of I the think- most iconic shots of all time yeah, absolutely. And I think to its detriment even, because like you said, like it's re- it's been referenced so much. Like most people, I, I would wager to say a lot of people that haven't seen this movie have seen that shot either yeah. in like a, like a montage of like the best movies clip or whatever, or they've seen it in the TV show or like they've seen it referenced or parodied or whatever. And it kind of robs it a little bit of its kind of impact because you do you're supposed to sit through the whole movie to get to that point and to really understand it and so like a lot of people have seen that shot and they kind of are like yeah it's you know like it looks really good for a 1950s movie i guess like what am i supposed to get out of this like people don't really know what to do with it i would i would assume like uh i'm talking about like the tiktok generation who like maybe has seen it like as part of a clip somewhere um but yeah like to to consider the context (laughs) of like 80 years of just Western movies, like straight up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Western TV shows. I mean, I remember my grandfather, yeah. like that's, that's all he wanted to watch mm-hmm. was a Western TV show. That was it. That was well, what he was about. It was know? their law and order. It was law and order. Every episode, you know, some crazy shit happens, but the good guys are going to get the bad guys. And in this case, you know, the, the white guys are going to kill the bad guys, whatever, yeah. or like bounty law, whatever right? they are. Ba- sure, bounty law. I love yeah, that. Ba- yeah, <laughs> it's literally bounty law. It's yeah, like, there's a guy in town, and then some. He's gonna get the. He's gonna get the outlaw. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what all these things were. And yeah, yeah we just got like you said, eighty years of that. Eighty years yeah. of that, and it was all basically the same. And he really, again, he invented a lot of the things that come with what we think of as the Western. Mm-hmm. And you know, just even like how this movie affected stuff. The spaghetti westerns, the Sergio Leone stuff that we love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't get that without this. So, yeah, like on so many levels, like all of it. Is Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love westerns and I love this movie and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number 50 uh, the by John Ford. Cool. Great movie. Yeah, we're, we're really getting we're really yeah, we're getting into it. Here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, number 49, then you never had me. You never had your car. The Fast and the Furious. Come on. Granny shifted, not double clutching like you should. You're lucky that hundred shot of Nas didn't blow the welds off the intake. You almost had me? Come on. It's just absolutely one of the greatest movies ever fucking made. Oh no, it's I don't know, dude. I fucking love Fast and Furious. Um, it's such a meme that <laughs> I just can't help but like be astonished by it still. Um, I was going to put... Probably my favorite one to rewatch and rewatch again is Fast Five. I would say if anybody's yeah. ever interested in the Fast and the Furious, just skip all of them, watch Fast Five. Yes. I mean, if you really don't want to watch like all of them, well, that yeah, is, it's, like, it's getting to a very high number right now. Yeah, yeah. Just that is kind of the crown jewel. But you cannot, and I know this is going to sound cheesy and cliche, but you cannot, like the heart of the original is kind of what makes the whole franchise work for me. Because yeah, okay, yeah, it's all about family but it really is this first movie really like as a movie with a beginning middle and end that is not intended to be part of a 11 piece franchise it does have that motif of the family and how you know you once you get involved you can't really you can't betray family yada yada whatever it's point break with cars we get it we've heard the memes but 
I love this movie. It's got so it's got it's got like it's got a lot of young people in it. It's got a lot of like late nineties, early two thousands, um, the next generation of movie stars, and in my opinion, probably the last generation of like people everybody knows your name kind of movie star. Mm-hmm. Like Vin Diesel is like one of the last guys. I don't know. Like, you know, he, he just showed up in like a trailer for a video game the other day at the Game Awards and people were like, ah, it's Vin Diesel. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So like he is he is super recognizable. Um, of course, for me, a huge, huge, huge part of it is Paul Walker. I love I grew up with I mean, I grew up with these movies, but in particular, like I got really hooked on Paul Walker after Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started watching all of his films and like reading about him. And like I watched all of his films, dude. I watched like Into the Deep and. The oh, Lazarus yeah. Project and the Life and Death of Bobby Z. Like I was really, really into Paul there's Walker. There's some good so ones. There's yeah. he, he. He's. I mean, yeah, it's depressing. He did like a Christmas <laughs> movie once. Once that I, I like rented from Hollywood Video just because he was in it. Um. So I was What's a big the fan. One where he's a cop and like he loses his gun or something like that, and he has to find it. You remember that? Ru- one? Was it Running Scared? Running Scared. Yeah. Yeah, that movie. That's a good one, dude. That movie's insane. That, that's a really good one. That's I'm really, really glad he one. did that because that's like yeah. one of the best things he ever did. Absolutely. One and of it probably wouldn't have been made did. without him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's, you know, but there's that like young energy to it. Uh, the script uh, among others is uh, penned by David Ayer. And so that's why I love like that, that line that I just read to you is just, it's got all of that like douchey LA, yeah. like he just nails those characters. And Vin he Diesel is, is one of the Dom Toretto is one of the great LA douche characters <laughs> of all time. And uh, I just, I'm not going to make an <laughs> argument that this is, a, you know, on par with the searchers or anything. That's stupid. But for me, for my personal, uh, uh, the way I feel about movies, this is absolutely in the canon of the greats, dude. I fucking love this movie. Uh, there's a reason why this starts a massive franchise, right? And even one where it kind of goes off the rails. So like Tokyo Drift and Too Fast and Furious was like, it was it was good, but it was, again, it was still kind of veering off from what it needed to be. I've but never yeah, seen they... a franchise jump the shark multiple times <laughs> and survive. Yeah, and come That's back and is. still keep yeah. going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when because once they brought it back to what makes it work, which is the, you know, these this it's really Dom and um It's it's Dom and um Brian. Yeah. Yeah, Dom and Brian and really it's well, we don't know, you know, Paul Walker died, so we don't know what it would have looked like had he still been alive and uh, Sure. Yeah. Um I mean, obviously, it still would have worked, um, but yeah, we'll never know. But yeah, I mean that that relationship, those that's what really sells it. And you know, you know, again, like they basically did a reboot with the fourth movie, and then the fifth one is like it's like the Empire Strikes Back of the series. It is you know? absolutely <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back. But I got to tell you a story about that uh, that fourth movie because uh, so. Growing up, okay, so I had I'll give you some context as to why I love these movies so much. In Romania, uh, we whatever movies were expensive, everything was expensive. It was like it was still only about ten years after the the fall of you know communism. So it was like everything's kind of hard to get, but we're getting them. The internet kind of changed everything because in you know we got I got yeah I got a computer and I had we had like a local network and people were like passing movies like pirated movies along and stuff. And Too Fast Too Furious was one of the files that I got. And it was one of like three or four movies that I had on my computer and I would watch it daily. I mean, daily. I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious hundreds of times daily. I can, I can point by point. I could, I could regurgitate that movie to you. Um, But like, even, you know, that movie was, it was like Vin Diesel wasn't in it. I liked like Tyrese, haha, funny, whatever. But like, it didn't kind of have that same heart. Tokyo Drift really didn't do it for me at the time. 
obviously I love it. Now I, I love that they were able, they had somebody that was smart enough to say, okay, some of the characters in Tokyo Drift, like Han, bring him forward into the franchise. Keep it connected. Because Tokyo Drift was supposed to be a straight-to-DVD movie. Yeah. Um, but then when that... In 2009, I remember I was uh, sitting at home on my mom's Dell laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trailer for Fast and Furious came out. And I believe it was like on iTunes exclusive or some stupid shit like that. It's like you can only watch it on iTunes. So I downloaded iTunes to watch that trailer. And the beginning of that trailer is the following shot of paul walker like running through he's like chasing a guy and he's like running yeah, through this yeah, building yeah, yeah. and he like jumps yeah. out of the window mm-hmm. and then uh you're like following him and i was like oh shit paul walker's back it's like that's amazing and then at the end of the chase in the trailer you know he ends up in the room and the guy uh, uh, standing against the window turns around and it's dom and he's mm-hmm. like oh o'connor and i just like my brain just had an yeah. aneurysm it was such yeah. a great moment yeah, and that was that was when they really like brought it back. When they really yeah. like once they got everyone back, yeah. it was again. That's that's why I say it was a reboot. But like back, it was almost like you know bringing it back to what it was supposed to be from the beginning. Because they mm-hmm. just you know people got too big for what they needed for what they were, and they they you know they couldn't get everyone back together for the second movie and the third movie again. Like you said, it's it's sort of this sort of prequelish yeah. thing. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, so, we got. Triple X instead of Vin Diesel and Too Fast to Furious, so I'll take it. But yeah, 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 yeah. Which is but you, you know, but everybody similar. was yeah, everybody was trying to launch their own kind of thing at that point. Yeah, they were like, oh, I'm too big for this, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they were like, Universal started paying people money, yeah. and they found themselves with a massive, massive, massive franchise. Um, yeah, what I just what I love about the whole thing is like it really is just about these characters and yeah their relationship and then there's there's the cars and there's the craziness and then we get stuff in later sequels where we just turn them into superheroes yeah um, which is cool and fun but why people really care is that they they've constantly been able to like add more people to this unit that fit in and yeah they're they're different right like they like in the fifth movie they bring in all these people that are i don't know either portuguese or like like that spanish is, speaking yeah well yeah it, what's crazy is everybody has like a bit part. Like the two, the two Brazilian guys had a bit part in in the fourth movie, and I think the only new, genuinely new addition in in the fifth one is uh, Gal Gadot. Actually, no, yeah, yeah. she was in the fourth one as well. Mm. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, everybody. Trust me, I have this. I'm like a Rain Man for Fast and Furious. Like yeah. everybody's been in it. The biggest moment for me was in Fast Five when they brought back Matt Schultz's character, who played Vince in the first movie, who also plays the uh, one of the ba- the bad guy in the transporter that we talked about last week he was pretty big in the early 2000s they brought him back from the first movie and it was like you know it was like dom and vince and he's like oh vince you i got a job for you and he's like oh thanks dom you know i gotta provide yeah. for my daughters or whatever and it's yeah. just like yes like a, that it's is about the life fight for his family and it's always yeah like and they're always finding ways to like bring to make references to the older movies and i really like that they have their finger on the pulse of like what really kind of is the lifeblood of this of this franchise because mm-hmm. they could just be doing you know law and order episodes where every every week dom toretto and michelle rodriguez <laughs> yeah. got a super criminal and they do that, that. Was another thing too when they brought her back because like we see her die in the fourth movie and then they, God, yeah. they just set up all these mysteries like oh she's alive it's so stupid why? <laughs> <laughs> that was for number six right that was like, for number they, six they brought yeah. her back again yeah they, they said oh she's alive and then that was the teaser and in number six, they kill Han. And then in number nine, they bring Han back. 
<laughs> Hashtag justice for Han. Justice, yeah, justice for Han is like a big thing. Yeah, yeah, justice yeah. Justice for Han was a huge thing, and like you know, like they just do. They, it's just, it's just kind of amazing that the franchise. Again, the joke is like they started stealing DVDs and yeah. and, fucking, and and like um and then DVD players, and then it yeah. became. The Avengers with uh, yeah. fucking with, with cars, and and it constantly amazes me, and it puts a smile on my face when you whenever you see a Fast and Furious movie on the top ten, you know, grossing films yeah, yeah, of yeah. the year or of all time or whatever, and you realize it is a purely original. I mean, not to say that like it's an original, but it's like an original concept. It's not based on anything. It's Point Break with cars, but it is an mm-hmm. ori- you know it's an original thing standing up next to Star Wars and Marvel and uh, you know all these other things. Yeah, it's totally. It, it is hilarious. IP in and of itself, and it, it's really it's really like there there has to be no franchise like it where it's they, constantly yeah, evolving so. and like it starts off with this one random movie that yeah you know, we all saw we all liked people a lot of people watched the sequel the third one it's just yeah. there's something about it there's something about it that keeps perpetuating. It's really unassuming. Yeah. But like a lot of like, yeah, the sequel comes out. It's fine. It's whatever. It's like really, really like deep, deep, deep early 2000s, you know, like you you would ludicrous and all that. Uh, And then the third one is kind of whatever. But I I remember like people kept talking about the first movie. Like they're just like they're really into that close knit kind of you've got this like close knit family kind of unit. And then you've got this interloper that comes in. That's an undercover cop. That's like a really fun story. It's a really relatable thing. And they, they've been doing it in cinema forever, but like, Mm -hmm. this is like a really low brow kind of for the masses version of it. But again, I think the it's the authenticity of it comes through with the, with the LA locations and the writing and the characters. Um, And that's why I think it's the first movie was stood enough to get to the reboot. And it's also like, there's this, yeah, what really makes it work right is it's it's Paul Walker and Vin Diesel and like how they're they're kind of coming to where the other is at, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like Dom is, you know, he's out, you know, hustling and like stealing stuff. Right. And but you know, the Paul Walker, his character, he always wants to be on that side. Right. He he's always, always wants to be on that side. Like that's who he is at heart. Yeah. That's yeah, who yeah. he is. And exactly. all this other stuff is holding him back. And, you know, again, that's why the, the fourth one is so good. It's like, yeah, he's, he was like in the FBI or something. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, he's he's not going to stick with it, you know? He's not going to, yeah. No. And <laughs> he's going to turn. Great, he's going to turn. <laughs> but it's all in the first movie. There's that great shot after they, you know, they erase the train or whatever. There's a great shot where Vin Diesel's like dying and, you know, he's just like, Paul Walker, does he make the call or does he not? Like, is he going to turn the, this guy in or is he going to walk away? And so that dilemma is like planted there, but it doesn't really pay off for like, you know, three more movies because... <laughs> careers had to happen i guess but yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's yeah. a fun time i i love this this one little unassuming stupid little action movie from 2001 um so yeah fast yeah and furious. totally totally fast i mean you know I, I know like when i when that movie came out i i remember seeing it but i remember like we talked about it a lot like me and my mm. friends we talked about that movie a lot and would watch it on television a lot when it was on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah there's just something about <clears throat> the characters and the like you said the the milieu that they're in yeah. Los Angeles it just it just there's something that works you know it just it just and it just keeps going <laughs> yeah 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 and something keep keep put a pin in that that uh that LA that milieu that that world building because there's another movie that came out that same year that uh was like the more the, the real version of it that uh-huh, sticks uh-huh. with people even more <laughs> yeah, so, yeah 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 I think I know what you're talking about yeah yeah so, we'll get to it. 
My number 49. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm going, we're going, uh, speaking of the LA kind of griminess, we're mm -hmm. going to Chinatown. Oh, yeah. So Chinatown. Yeah. Chinatown, uh, one of the great noir films of all time, directed by Roman Polanski. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's about this private eye, Jake Geddes, and he's sent off to do this sort of, uh, this. he's hired to do this job um, about this woman who's supposed to be having an affair. And then um, turns out that he was set up. He was set up on this job. And that's, he's like, what the fuck? And that gets him into big trouble. And so then he goes and tries to dive deeper and figure out what's actually going on. And that sends him off into this crazy world where there's all this politics and like the, what are they going to do with the water and mm -hmm. in California and all this other stuff. And this, the John Houston character who's super powerful, who <laughs> is singularly interested in finding, you know, his daughter and his daughter's daughter for incestuous reasons. And it, it's a dark, dark, messed up movie uh the ending is amazing but very like amazing oof, you're just like whoa and you know this is what i was talking about like this so the guy who wrote this from Robert, what i understand rubber town right yeah rubber town uh he he was he had been talking with some just you know la cops la detectives and one of the things that i guess inspired this movie was someone told him like you know sometimes we'll try to do the right thing and it'll make everything worse like you'll take away a child from like a bad family, but then that'll make the family more destructive. And then the, you know, they'll, they'll, mm -hmm. I don't know someone will get killed or something. Mm -hmm. um, and this was just like a way of sort of telling a story that well, that's the thematic element by trying to do the right thing. He ends up causing more bad things to happen. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just a really, really well-written script. The acting is really good. Um, the direction is strong. Everything about it is just good. And like, again, you know, this, thematically <clears throat> it is with you know something that a lot of times happens sometimes you know a lot of the time like the good guys don't win and you try to do the right thing and then worse things happen and you know that's that's chinatown <laughs> that's yeah. chinatown jake i mean gotta walk forget away. it jake forget it jake it's chinatown yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 amazing i love so <clears throat> i mean I've, I've said this many times i love 70s movie movies for the kind of like realism that it brought to everything and this is like, you know, the classic kind of hard-boiled detective slash private eye whatever story. But I, th I think what really like elevates this, it's so it's got the corporate intrigue and it's got the like conspiracy stuff that he's trying to figure out. First of all, he's a he's a likable enough protagonist um, that we even were invested. But uh, I like the incest angle. I'm just, it's not a shock, I'm sure, for you to hear, but like, what a weird thing to bring into this movie. I mean, there were 40s noir movies that had like adjacent kind of plot lines that were like a little kind of weird, but they couldn't really ever go there. I feel like Scarface kind of goes there. Scarface, not yeah, totally, well, though, with right? the sister, but not totally, not in the <clears throat> yeah. way that Polanski, because Polanski's fucking insane. And again, we've seen his movies from the 60s, like Repulsion and stuff yeah. like that. Like, we know he's into psychosexual stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it kind of feels like this has no place in this movie. But when we get to it, I'm like, ah, yes, of course, the incest. How could I didn't see that one coming? Yeah. So it's 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 very interesting how like the the insanity of like the 70s psycho thriller kind of peers into this movie a little bit into like the procedural cop storyline. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, th I think that's like one of the more fascinating things about this movie for me uh, on top of just the gorgeous, you know, the, the yeah. direction and the, the way that the story is kind of like they give you the little breadcrumbs and it's just kind of fun to, to follow it along. 
I love this movie for 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 those reasons. And I mean that that ending is so graphic and is so brutal. It's so and I think, brutal. And for a lot of people, it was just like holy shit, you know, like yeah, it's still it's still early seventies, like. It's just such an interesting era. Like we were getting so many of these movies. Like we were just talking about French Connection was like another yeah. one that was just like very, very visceral. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this movie either. I love Chinatown. Yeah, totally, totally. It's it's just an absolute masterpiece of a film. Um, yeah. And, you know, the script is just so, so strong and tight. Um, everything about it just really, really works. Um, yeah, and it's just like the pinnacle like like of the 70s kind of, filmmaking storytelling um mm-hmm. just gets some really good stuff here and yeah jack nicholson is great um yeah i think was it faye dunaway is faye it dunaway too? yeah john houston's great <laughs> there's a lot of great stuff in this movie yeah i mean john um, houston's always great he is in everything yeah. every way directing mm-hmm. acting writing <laughs> absolutely no <laughs> seriously his, his kids you know <laughs> he talks he, he talks like this i don't know i can't do i can't do a john houston impression yeah it's it's a very deep very deep uh yeah yeah and like i think there's yeah there's even this movie i don't know if you've ever seen rango uh but rango is oh like the a, animated one yeah i haven't seen it no yeah it's it was it's basically this storyline but done in a oh, western cartoon I, with that's right Johnny Depp. yeah it's 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 a good it's a good movie. that's right yeah 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 i remember that movie. yeah i mean so many movies have done chinatown so i mean even up to like we talked about uh, motherless brooklyn even up to last year it's yeah. basically it's basically chinatown mm-hmm. uh like he had this idea he was like i'm gonna adapt this book about you know whatever some crisis or some kind of injustice that happened in the the book was written in the 2000s i think or whatever and he was like i'm gonna set it in the 40s or 50s or whatever it's like it's all kind of it's all kind of derivative off the same, like Chinatown is derivative of some of the noirs that came before it. And then everything is just kind of derivative of Chinatown afterwards. I feel yeah, like it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my number 49. Sweet dude. Chinatown. Sick. All right. Well, number 48, it's a bug hunt. It's aliens. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a, it's a bug hunt. We've, uh, this was on your list already, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't have to, we don't have to spend too much time kind of recapping, the movie and, and what it's about. You could go back to one of the previous parts and see the discussion. We already had a discussion about it, but uh, I can't not put this on the list. Basically. I love the first movie a hell of a lot more like, like a, like a hilarious amount more. Like if you put them in front of me, I would pretty much never pick aliens because, and there's nothing wrong with it, but aliens is truly like we talked about Terminator two last week. It's, it's very much the James Cameron take a small idea a, a small concept even of a movie, you know, slasher in space, give or take, and then just blow it up, blow up the universe, add characters to it, add more aliens to it, add this entire, like, we talked about this entire, like, um, camaraderie aspect with the the dialogue with the Marines and, and everything, and uh, just really, really heighten up everything. And uh, I, in my opinion, this movie stands as like one of the examples of like pretty much like one of the, the best examples of how to do like a block, like a true blockbuster uh, sequel, like how to take a franchise and blow it up. Like fast, like honestly, Fast Five feels like the aliens version of the Fast and the Furious. Like there's something about what he did with this movie. He took the same characters. Well, whatever, the one character who survived. And but he, he built on that world on the Wayland yutani with the corporations and he added Bishop, the Android who's like a yes man, corporate man. You've got a, 
what's his name? Uh, Paul Reiser is, you know, yeah. his character is like the corpo guy. Like it just, this movie sets the stage for all of the fucking sci-fi cheese that came out, you know, um, like the corporation sci-fi type stuff, not like the Star Trek. We must be diplomatic mm-hmm. with everybody. This is like the corporation is evil. Yes. And that th- I feel like this feeds into a lot of w- the kind of stories that we still get today. I mean, there's so much to say about aliens. I don't know. It's, it's There really is. There really yeah. is. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like how wrong it could have gone in the wrong hands or like with the wrong... You know, I mean, we got Alien 3 and they, uh, they, the, the fucking just shoved all this crap down what's his name's throat and just, just ruined the movie. I mean, yeah, and the, there's examples. Like, the, think of Robocop 2. Like, no one talks about Robocop 2. Uh, there, there's ways that, like, <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's movies that were, you know, all, they're like franchise starters that, you know, their sequels kind of petered out and the franchise died. I mean, even honestly, Rambo towards the end, Rambo kind of just fucking died. Uh, Last Blood was a, dumpster fire but uh you know like something about just aliens is just such a pitch perfect kind of like yes we're gonna take this concept and i know it's a horror movie but i'm just gonna make it horror action and i'm really gonna dial up everything the spectacle the machismo the even the women in this movie are like muscle bound and badass so it's 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 just it's it's awesome yeah and he just does such a good job with the marine characters like making them all like we really kind of care, but very, very efficiently, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, like the Hudson character is more interesting than many protagonists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's just a dude who's like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. That's it. That's all he Game does. over, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of right. They are going to die. A lot of them are going to die. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've <laughs> um, got that, 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 that Cameron Bill Paxton relationship is yeah, very strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah. He's in like all of his. Yeah. Um, in one way or another. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's some, it's some good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the film. I really love it. I, I love it too. And it's on both our lists. It's, it's one of the, one of the few, I think so far that made up both of our lists. Yeah, it is one of the few so far. Um, yeah. And we'll see, you know, I'm sure there'll be some. For sure, for sure. But like, I can't. Again, I couldn't get past this this section of the countdown if I didn't include aliens. Because again, like, it's not my go-to because I really prefer the slow burn kind of, not necessarily psychological, but like the 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 stuff that makes you imagine the 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 stuff. That's what I like. That those are the kind of movies that I get attracted to. Is like to get into the the mindset of like that world. Uh, and this movie is just too good to not have it so high up the list because it just yeah. does everything so right. Every yeah, single does. aspect of this movie is so thought through. And I love that. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's really, really, um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So my number 48 is, uh, the Charlie Kaufman, Michelle Gondry film, Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I've heard of it. Um, yeah. So this, uh, is another interesting tale written by Charlie Kaufman that goes in all kinds of crazy places. <laughs> So it's about this guy, Joel. Uh, he's sort of heartbroken because his girlfriend uh, underwent a procedure to erase her memory of him. So mm-hmm. he does the same thing, but then he regrets it because he realizes that he still loves her, like midway through stuff being erased. And he's trying to, you know, undo this thing before it's before it's too late. Um, this is a this is a crazy movie. Uh, like, <laughs> I feel like we like, say that every time we talk about Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> This just crazy, crazy movie. Um, yeah, like the concepts are really out there. But again, he's doing all this big stuff, right? Very it's just big. a love story about people that regret not being with each other. That's that's like classic love story stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Classic stuff. 
Um, it's just you put a crazy veneer over it. Yeah. But it's it's the same. Like we've been telling these stories like probably since millennia, For, forever. Yeah. Millennia. Yeah. Yeah. Like since being around the campfire and drawing stuff on a cave wall. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it's just so amazing. Like what the thing that really like got me in this movie that I really love. There's a moment where I think it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I remember there's like, they get their memories erased. Right. But then they get back together and they're like on a bus or something somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's sort of like, they have this moment where they, they have the moment where they first fell in love again mm-hmm. for the second time. And it's just sort of like beautiful seeing it play out that way. You know, like that's something in life you never really get again. You never get that first mm-hmm. moment again. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we get it, but we get to see it. We get, we, because we're in, we are introduced to them when they're already kind of like breaking up with each other. But then we get to see them, like what made them love each other, but they don't know it, but we know it. So it's really powerful. Um, and the ending is very kind of open and we don't really know, is it going to work out or not? But they've gone through this tumultuous thing to get back together. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's sort of up to the, <laughs> the viewer to like interpret how things go after, but the whole, the whole thing is just so, so brilliant. Um, and it's so brilliantly written. Like there's so many yeah. brilliant moments. The, uh, the Elijah Wood characters just like, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, well, that my whole, God. That, that whole thing, that entire, that entire like other side of it with like Elijah Wood and Mark Ruffalo and Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. They're just even, like, even the guy, the guy who, uh, does the procedure, he did that to his, um, he did the he procedure. Did his wife, right? Yeah, I think his wife and I think yeah, his wife. Um there cuz there's something with the secretary too, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, So it's again, all like yeah, there's that, a lot the, of Yeah, all that uh, stuff starts start coming in together in the middle and you're like, "Whoa, this is this is really messed up." But that's all like good writing stuff to keep us invested. Yeah. Because it's really just about us being invested in this love story and seeing, you know, I guess thematically like you, you can't throw away the bad memories. You got to yeah. you got to just kind of live with it and that makes the good stuff stronger. Um, Correct. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, I think that's, you You put it well. I think that's probably the thesis of the movie is, is what you just said. Uh, but uh, it's, it's what a weird, like what a weird execution of a, cause like the story, the, the story comes through and like, you just pretty much summed up what the movie is about, but watching this movie, it is, is not that experience. This movie is this weird kind of almost sci-fi surreal, almost it's got surreal mm-hmm. tendencies. Um, it's a very strange like structure even. Um, so like, yeah, I, the, I, I, I think I say this every time we talk about a Kaufman movie is like, he, he does so much to keep you kind of like thinking about the mechanics of the world. Yeah. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, but, but, but at the same time, like on a subconscious level, almost like you're, you're taking in the, the message, you're taking in the narrative, you're, you're understanding it, but it's just the, the the veneer of it like you said is just it's like so bizarre and uh, i i strongly believe this like a um casting is a big part of in this movie because if jim carrey as the lead in this movie adds a layer of what the fuckness to it because this is not the kind of movie that he had done that he really does i mean i guess you could say the truman show is like the other one that's kind of like a weird jim carrey what if mind trip scenario but uh it's it just feels weird like this is not the kind of thing that like you would expect him to be in um at least at the time at the time at the time that's why i'm yeah because like in 2004 whenever this came out like 
height of his fucking powers, right? I mean, Pretty Bruce much, Almighty yeah. had just come out, and but those yeah. are straight comedies. So it's because no, because I remember being, I remember like being hyped up for this movie. I was like, oh, it's a new Jim Carrey movie, and I've I've just watched Bruce Almighty a hundred times. This is gonna be cool, but oh, but it's R rated. Awesome! It's gonna be like me, you, and Irene. Like he's gonna be pissing all over the walls. Like what's going on? And it's like, and then you watch it, and you're like, this is some psycho shit. Like I don't yeah. get it, you know? <laughs> or at least, or at least you know, it, to begin with. Uh, it's just such an interesting movie, and I love all of his movies, obviously. But I love that in this era of the being John Malkovich adaptation, Eternal Sunshine, they just Hollywood, the studio system, like made these big, big idea movies off of these Charlie Kaufman scripts yeah. that are really very simple stories. Like the first one, you know, being John Malkovich is really just about you know loving this person that you can't have. Mm-hmm. So like it's 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 simple concepts, but the delivery is mm-hmm. something that is very unexpected. And uh, I feel like outside of the indie circuit now, you don't see, like, you don't see Universal advertising another one of these. I don't think I'll, I'll ever see that again. I, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. Maybe, again, we, we got a, we got a um, Charlie Kaufman film on Netflix, which was kind of... Yeah. They, they pared that budget down. I don't know but what they, the budget was, but you could, it's not as big they, as this. No, it's not. It's not. And I don't, and we talked about that movie a lot. I mean, obviously we, we did a whole thing on it and I love that movie too, but you can tell it just doesn't have the same muscle behind it. Like again, to get Jim Carrey, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, Tom Wilkinson, all these people in this movie and sell it to the mass market audience. Like I just don't like nowadays you, you, like you sold, I'm thinking of ending things. You said, oh yeah, this is Netflix's artsy movie for the year (laughs) kind of is, is the way that that's being put. But yeah, it's very interesting that I'm glad that we went through that era of like in the early two thousands, we still had a little bit of those like interesting movies that they were taking gambles on. Yeah. I mean, cause this is definitely a huge gamble. Um, I know Michelle Gondry had done a lot of stuff, uh, I think a lot of music videos and other kind of mm-hmm, short films mm-hmm. and things. And he was, he was a known entity and this, this idea was his idea. Um, but then the execution was you know, right. totally Kaufman esque, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's an interesting marriage of the two. Um, yeah. yeah and, you know, I, I, yeah, definitely got to give a lot of credit to like all the actors. It's like, they all are incredible. Um, Jim Carrey is incredible. Yeah. Um, what's her name who plays, I think it's Clementine in, in this movie. Kate uh, Winslet. Dude. Kate Winslet. Yeah. She's incredible. Um, and like I said, Elijah Wood and these, these other, you know, these other weird scummy. Yeah. Kind of questionable characters. Um, everything about this movie just kind of works. And yeah, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. Amazing. And I, th- and uh, it's, it's enduring. I think people are going to keep seeing this movie. People love, I mean, Jim Carrey is always on an upswing as far as I can tell. Uh, people are going to be digging through it like younger generations are going to be digging through it yeah. and I, again I think the value of casting him in this movie is that you get to see the because if you watch interviews with him or read interviews and like kind of like observe him as a human being he's he's a very like depressing character like he's he's not he's very like in his own head and he's very philosophical and he like he's kind of nihilistic almost at least yeah. from what I can tell and so it sh- but it shows this is the perfect role to kind of show yes. a little bit of that side of him and to show that again at the height of his powers where people were still watching the mask and fucking liar liar mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like nonstop it was interesting it was a different like it makes you think so I think that's definitely part of of what makes this movie work yeah totally um yeah he he's a good actor he's a really good actor he just really yeah. They they want to pigeonhole him into you know being the live action cartoon. Sonic the uh, Hedgehog two Sonic just got greenlit. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. like yeah, in that movie he's. I mean there there's that there, that one scene where he's like doing his thing and he's doing his full, thing, man. He's going yeah. full Jim Carrey, and that's him. No one no one wrote that. 
No yeah. one figured that out. That's just him being him. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's yeah, doing yeah. all the fucking crazy faces and he's like running from the dinosaur and he's like on the Alps. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? That's all out of his head. Yeah. Um, all of his head. And but then he can also do this, which is like a really strong, subtle performance. Uh yeah, yeah he's he's incredible. He's an incredible actor. Yeah. Um, there's that story he says when he had a meeting with Michelle Gondry and uh, he had I think Jim Carrey had just gone over like a, was it a breakup or like a suicide in his life, I think. Some somebody somebody close to him, like something he was really, really like actually yeah. depressed. And then Michelle Gondry told him like that, like, yes, that like stay that way like don't get over it like i no, this is a thing like you know, jim carrey tells the story he's just like he it was it was like very like fucked up it was very manipulative he's just like i need you to stay in this mindset i need you to not get better for this role is basically what he told him <laughs> yeah it's some fucked up hollywood shit but uh you know you print you print the legend this is what we got <laughs> yeah yeah i mean this this movie is gonna live forever so exactly yeah Whew. Yeah, yeah, it's well, crazy. Look, look into that story. It's it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like Michelle Gondry. We haven't heard much from him in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason. I don't know. <laughs> there's a reason. The Green Hornet. Oh, he directed that movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. I the like the Seth movie. Rogen, Evan Goldberg. Yeah, that's my friends. Movie. I was in college when that movie. I think it came out or something like. And a bunch of people were like, hey, we're gonna watch the Green Hornet. And we all got together and like we're in like the commons. We we're watching it. Got about a third of the way through that movie. I literally left and went to sleep. Like, dude, I saw I saw that movie I'm in out. theaters. Yeah, <laughs> I was so stoked. I was like, yes, dude, Seth Rogen's funny and Michelle Gondry. Whoa. No, 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 no. That's that's one of those Hollywood things where like you get one. You you make a Green Hornet, you're fucked. You, you're coming back ten years later with maybe like an Netflix. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah. Or or like you got to do some super indie, basically mm-hmm. straight to vod, where it's like like you got to get a big actor. Yeah, you, you got to get something. like a, a Golden Lion, and then maybe they'll look at you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's unfortunate for him, but you know. Yeah. That's that. That's that. You know, we talked about this before, man. It's like a lot of it is luck, and you got to stay away from the bombs. Huge <laughs> luck is huge. Yeah. Cause you never know, like, like who not, like people are going crazy for that. Was like that came out when like the Avengers came out, like yeah, yeah, know, people, right. Everybody's superhero properties, you yeah, know, superhero make it, properties. make it, make it, make it. Yeah, yeah, just like boom, boom, greenlit, greenlit. Mm-hmm, it's like oh mm-hmm. no, yours, yours bombed epically and it blew up your career. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm glad Christoph Waltz was able to survive it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you win two Oscars, it's kind of hard to like. <clears throat> torpedo Yerger. They just the, the thing was Hollywood didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know what to do. They still I feel like they still don't know what to do. I, I, I agree. I feel like they still yeah. don't. But no. he's still he's just so talented that you can't can't yeah. not wanna he's just so alluring. Like yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean even the James Bond movies he was in, like he those movies suck in my opinion. I mean we've only really seen the one. The other one, No Time to Die hasn't come out yet. But like yeah. he's not and like they kind of dropped the ball on like they again, I feel like Tarantino is kind of the only one who really understands what to do with him. Uh, he was good in Alita. He was I think it was I think Alita is where, Alita is, where he should. That's the role that. Works, yeah, I think I think so. But I mean, that's because, you know, Robert Rodriguez knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're 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 the Tarantino and Rodriguez are like two sides of the same. Coin. They are two sides <laughs> of the same coin. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So we should probably right. I guess moving on. Right. Forty seven. 47 yeah my number 47 is um talking about getting inside people's heads and a character study the conversation and mm. I, I i was going to put this higher on my list but it's it's high enough already i love the conversation so 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 much uh it's one of the great 
Gene Hackman performances again. Um, it's a Coppola movie and you can like, it's through and through it's a Coppola movie. Like there's a concept, he gets obsessed with an idea. He makes a movie about it. Um, but it's so well done. It is yeah. so, like we talked about it already. This is another one that was on your list, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. So we don't have to go too far in depth, but like, I love this movie so much because it's a quiet kind of a character study. You could say it's like a neo-noir. I mean, for God's sake, it's got Gene Hackman sitting in an empty room playing a saxophone. So like, it doesn't get more on the nose, like lonely man noir than that. <laughs> and uh, he's got his psychosis, which is, you know, he's a surveillance guy and his, he's basically like a fucking, he's a private eye, I think, like officially, but uh, he's basically like an assassin, except you hire him when you want people to record to like, you want, you want to record people basically. He's like, he's that good. Uh, and he's got his team and, you know, and, uh, you know, towards the end of the movie, there's a twist with he witnesses a murder and then the movie get the movie really gets into like the really psycho surreal stuff. And it's really cool and interesting to see Coppola do that surreal, like true 70s psycho paranoia stuff um, right around the time when he was starting up um, uh, Apocalypse Now, like when that kind of stuff was at its peak. Like we were just talking about Chinatown has a little bit of that psychosis going on. This movie is like full psychosis. <laughs> and uh, I know people say that it's slow and some people can't get into it. Uh, I mm. reject that and I say that it is it's it's exactly what it needs to be this movie it doesn't need to be bigger than it is it doesn't need, it's it's exactly the right size john kazali in this movie is he's got some of the best like f like one of the best facial performances i've ever seen like that scene where they're at the convention after like they have a falling out or whatever and they they find each other at a convention and like gene sees him like working for another company or whatever and john kazali just gives him this like pouty kind of like sad look and i love that look it's it's just a great acting moment for me and i just love everything about this movie obviously i'm a huge coppola fan but this is like coppola kind of like i mean really at the height of his powers but yeah, like absolutely kind of kind of digging into a little bit of the more surreal stuff that he he kind of went maybe too far in with apocalypse now and he got burned for that so he know he doesn't really like do it too much but it it, it is heart in his heart like the surreal psycho stuff is like very much at the forefront because he's done a couple movies like te again tetra is another recent one that he did that is like a little psycho so i i love a psycho coppola i love gene hackman and i love john Cazale, and i love this movie yeah this movie is really great again walter merch did the sound um mm -hmm. the sound is just absolutely incredible in this film um and it's just a dark <laughs> you know it's sort of tragic tale and it's done yeah. really really well it's done really well that ending is so amazing. the ending is so good yeah where he just goes totally crazy and just rips his apartment apart and i believe the credits roll over the the picture of just him sitting in his apartment that's destroyed right i think that's how it ends i think yeah it sounds about like, right yeah. that's just like such a cool way to like it doesn't fade to black or anything it just kind of leaves you in suspense you're just like yeah the, the, what, what did I what just happened this guy's lost his fucking mind so yeah 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 and you don't we don't we have no idea we have no idea what yeah <laughs> we don't really, know like what happened or not yeah and there's there's all of these again the paranoia is laid on so thick in this movie there's all of these like corporate powers and conspiracies that are like kind of at the top of his mind but you don't really see like you don't really see like you see Harrison Ford is like an agent of the corporation um or well of the guy who whatever like it's just it has this like air of like the world is out to get you 
kind of, yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. it gets flipped on its head because that's kind of what he starts the movie out as is just, he's the guy recording everybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great, it's, it's, it's just a, such a great storytelling thing too. What's the worst thing that could happen to someone who's an expert at bugging people? Right. Not that he gets bugged, that he thinks he could because he knows so much that he, he knows that someone on his skill level could do something and he could ne- maybe never, never know, never know. Yeah. And then what does yeah. that do to you when you just always feel like I'm being watched? Mm-hmm. You go crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think this is another one of those movies that's going to keep being rediscovered over and over and over again, because people always watch the Godfather and they know apocalypse now, but like this movie keeps coming up ironically yeah. in conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a great one. Um, so my number 47 is Ben Hur from 1959. Directed by Charlie Wilder. Charlie Heston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just a quick side note with him. I I, I watched Two Lies like recently, and he's in that, and they make him yeah. look like like fucking like like Nick Fury straight up. Like they base the character <laughs> yeah, got a fucking eye patch, and he's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you guys, <laughs> where's yeah. Captain America? You gotta stay. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, this movie is like one of the great epics of all time. Oh yeah. One of the absolutely great epics of all time. And it's about this guy, Judah Ben Hur, and he's a Palestinian Jew in, in the Roman Empire, and then they 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 you know he gets fucked over, sent into slavery, and we just get all this stuff. Like there's stuff of him on a on a on a on a fucking boat oh, and they're rowing yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. of course we get the one of the greatest scenes of all time when it's in the arena. The chariot race. The chariot race in the arena yeah. is just like absolutely yeah. one of the most cinematic things ever Absol- ever oh, with the film God. absolutely dude um and then he see you know he sees christ you know uh being killed and mm-hmm. all this other stuff um and then you know at the end of this epic he kind of finally um you know rescues his family does all this stuff and like you know it's it's positive uh but it's just it's just a massive like this is this is what they were doing in the 50s to compete with television yeah. Just do something you could never see on television. Yep. And really something even like, you know, we we had talked off the air about, you know, I saw a really, really good 4K version of Lawrence of Arabia, which mm-hmm. I think finally gets close to what it's like to see it the way it's supposed to be In shown. its original state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is, again, it's another one of those things like they shot it in like 60 millimeter and they did all this stuff and it's super epic. And it's re- really like the, um, I think they, they shot it in like, I forget what the, I'm, I was just looking at it. Yeah, what the aspect ratio was or what they called it. Because they had a whole bunch of different, like, super wide, super, super wide. It's super formats. wide, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like two, two, I don't even, 276? Yeah, it's like a very it's wide aspect ratio. Ridiculously wide, yeah. Ridiculously wide aspect ratio. And so it's really hard to, like, bring that down onto a television screen. It's just, this was meant to be seen in a, in a theatrical yeah. experience. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I saw this movie as a as a kid on VHS, I think, and it was like a bootleg VHS. It wasn't even like an official one. So, but but even still, and it might have been pan and scan, I don't remember. But like even still, I was riveted as 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 a little kid for three and a half hours or however long this movie is. I was so into it, and this movie actually is brought up a lot in like Christian circles, as far as I could tell having been in, in, in that world because of the Jesus scene and because mm-hmm. it's like, like some people consider it a Jesus movie because, you know, Ben Hur um, kind of like, that's kind of his like realization moment or whatever in, in the film. Um, so that people look at it as like, it's like a Christian film, but I mean, 
as an epic, this movie is, uh, is, is massive. And I don't, I mean, it gets, obviously it gets talked about a lot, but not as much as like Lawrence of Arabia or some of the other, like David Lean movies. But, um, like for like, you're right. Like height fifties spectacle movies of like, you absolutely cannot get this anywhere else. You come to a theater, you get a program, you sit your ass down the, you know, the curtain rolls up in this massive fucking theater and you're watching this thing. There's an uh, overture. There's an over, of course. The, you listen to the music. It gets mm-hmm. you into it. The mm-hmm. story opens up. There's an intermission. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just all this stuff. It's just, you know, this is a bygone era of, of film. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Would, today they would have turned this into like a miniseries or some shit. Absolutely. Well, they fucking did a remake of this a couple of years ago. They did. And they that did. made me very John, sad. Uh, this is one of the children, Houston children. Oh. Um, yeah, it was. No, 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 no. I would. I mean, but but this is a remake. So <laughs> to be fair, this is a remake. This film is a remake. But they made it in like the twenties and like kind of before they really sort of could do it justice. Totally, totally. Um, right. And this film does the story justice. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, Scarface is a remake as well. Like uh, the, the, the the ones uh, the, the yeah. ones that we yeah the ones that we talk about tend to be the ones that kind of get made at the right time yeah. for for. Uh, for the story, for whatever, like for Ben Hur, for something that is so has so many like eras that it has to get through. Uh, this is the absolute like most uh, comprehensive like epic experience you could have, and uh, it was shot on sixty five millimeter. It was at the time where ever, like all of these big movies were being shot on sixty five. I I pray to the gods that we get a four K version of this. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I watched. Um, I believe the the first part of that uh, Lawrence of Arabia that you told me to watch. I get it. Like, I get what you were saying. And like, I have seen other um, like 4K movies, like again, like the Christopher Nolan stuff gets close. Uh, but to yeah. see something from 50, 60, 70 years ago in, in that amount of granular detail is yeah. is incredible. It's and it's incredible. a great thing. And I think it's like under like the they don't sing the praises of it enough. Like, I think it's a huge thing that we can we finally get have that fidelity. Uh, but, you know. It costs a lot of money to restore movies like that. And the studios have to make, you know, they have to yeah. balance that checkbook and figure out like, are enough people going to buy Ben-Hur? I don't know. I would, I would love to see this movie yeah, and it's would, close to original as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, that's when you see that, like when I saw the, the Lawrence of Arabia mm-hmm. in 4k and it's like, not the fucking DVD, not even the Blu-ray that's kind of getting there, but like the full on the pure cinema. Yeah, man. What, what that format could do, what it yeah. could show you. It's something. It is absolutely yeah. something. And these these films are just incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. They're, they just put so much into it. And it's it's a huge achievement of cinematic history. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like they just don't like I feel like there's movies, you know, like there's the tax collector is a movie. Uh, and Ben Hur is a movie, and sometimes it just feels weird that they're the same thing. They're the same medium. Like that, that always like fucks with me sometimes when I think of like some of the big epic movies, like Lawrence of Arabia is in the same category as The Pacifier with Vin Diesel. Like yeah. it's it's kind of weird that that they can coexist, but like truly, I think if there's a separate category, Ben Hur is in that separate category of like oh shit spectacle, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely epic filmmaking of the highest quality. Yeah, 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 um, and I love it. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, I, I, I really hope that they, you know, do a 4K of that. That's like one I would love to see them fully restore. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because these films, like they, there's a lot of detail there that we still haven't seen. Basically, dude, even even some of the scenes in Lawrence of Arabia when they're just sitting in the tent talking, like yeah, those so, are like my favorite scenes. Dude, there's so much detail in those scenes. Yeah. Because yeah. you can like like the way they like those shots, the way they um the way they blocked it and framed it. There's like tons of people in the background and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, there's just so much there, and like I, just the the clarity that you can see the actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like I, it's incredible. I think another one that exists that I haven't seen yet that I need to go back and see is uh, there. They I think they did a 4K of Spartacus as well. And yeah, I think I think that that might be. Remember we were talking about there's like a there's like a massive uh, collection collector set. Uh, I don't know if it's part of that one. There might be another one that 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 film is a part of. Yeah, it was probably a different one. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's a Warner Brothers one if i remember correctly but yeah uh i definitely got to check that out and also for the record um spartacus blood and sand is my favorite tv show of all time (laughs) (laughs) if anyone asks the the sam raimi rob tapper production of spartacus is my favorite spartacus above the kubrick spartacus because the stars spartacus yes you know why because it's like three sex scenes at a minimum per episode (laughs) and just limbs flying everywhere super and violence it, super sex super violence and it's so cheesy and it's so over the top i love it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah good stuff really good stuff um yeah so that's my number 47 i love and it her. cool her. awesome well number 46 is my friend andy dufresne who crawled through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side um Shawshank Redemption number 46 it's uh well it's I mean you gotta love it go can you say Shawshank Redemption is one of my, one of my closest friends it's his favorite movie of all time and we've watched it so many times and I remember there was like a they keep re-releasing the same thing it is on it's on blu-ray and it's like the same transfer from like 2007 or whatever mm. so like it's not the best but they keep re-releasing it and he keeps buying all the different steelbook editions and whatever and we keep watching it and it's a <laughs> great cool. fucking movie um <laughs> It's always on TV. It, this dude, movie, it's the TV MVP. Like I, I think there's, <laughs> I don't know if they, they, but there should be something called the Shawshank principle, which is you know a movie's yeah. good if you turn on the TV, you see it at any point, and you have to watch the rest of it. That's yes. that's why this movie is a thing. Is because it was played on TV and people loved it. That's why, and that's why, um, that's why I, I fell in love with it too. Because it was either it was on TV or like I caught parts of it. And I was yeah. so captivated by it, like just all of it. It just came together, like the the set design, the the characters, the the kind of story there. Like I was just like, what's going on with this guy? Why is he? Why are they telling him to suck his dick? Like what's going on? You know, <laughs> like like this is kind of fucked up. And I got interested. Uh, with like, why is there a racist warden? Like not a warden, yeah. but like a racist, like the 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 Clancy Brown character. Like what what is going yeah, yeah, on yeah, here? Yeah, like yeah. why are they tarring the roof? Like there's so many interesting scenes in this movie. Um, that it, yeah, it feels like it plays like a TV, almost it's like a, a mini series type. The of middle thing. of this movie is so long, and there's so many different things that happen before we get to the the end. But they're all captivating. They're all these little episodes yeah. that are really right s- stick with you. And every little episode, you're like, like when when he takes the guy under his wing, the young guy. Um, like when oh, he tries to get books mm-hmm. into the library, all yes. these little stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is all just about him trying to like get they're over just, the fact that he's just gonna live there forever. Yeah, it's captivating. It's really captivating. It really is. They're like little vignettes almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can talk about like the the history of it. Of like now, it's regarded as like on IMDb, it's the number one rated movie. But like 
I feel like everybody you talk to loves this movie. I, I can't think of anybody who like says like this is a shitty movie and I don't like it. Like I don't think I've ever had that conversation with anyone. Uh, everybody likes this movie to a degree or has heard of it because again, it's it's played again and again. And I like what you said, like the TV MVP. Like there's a subcategory of movies that maybe they don't get recognized in their time, but they get played again and again, and people kind of bring it up out of obscurity. I mean, Scarface yeah. is another example of mm -hmm. like panned massively panned full furious hatred at the time that it was released and then it and then in every fucking rap song in the late 90s yeah. they keep talking about tony montana and then eventually it's just we get the scarface video game and it's like it's the cult the the culture kind of brings these movies up and shawshank redemption is probably like the greatest redemption story uh, no pun intended of of these types of things and i mean it's got it, it's got everything there's it's got everything going for it. The performances are great. Like there's nothing in this movie that's doesn't deserve. I think that acclaim. It's a Roger Deakins movie. And I shot this movie and, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And how many times have no I surprise. seen that? The, yeah. That shitty fucking 2007 transfer. Give us the 4k. Come on. What are you doing? Oh my God. Like, yes. Give us the 4k. Give, please. Please. You have to give us and have yeah. Roger Deakins do the color, color grading. Yeah, right. And it, it, they dude, could you imagine? Could you shit. imagine like seeing a 4K of that and having it be even more than what we right. come to love of it? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of mind blowing that we may not have even seen the best version of this movie to to yet. extract more of the because like I said, like the first thing I fell in love with was like the world that it created, like and it all has to do with like the the sets and the props and the kind of everything in the shot, you know, the mise en scène as they say. Like I just really love, like it just felt like really fleshed out. So to see like we we're talking about that tense scene to see more detail, like, you know, when they're sitting on the bleachers or whatever, like watching over the court, like the, the, the recreation area, whatever it is, the outside the courtyard. Like I would love to see that every little detail in this movie, because it is all very well planned out. And like, again, at the, the, the Frank Darabont was like the wunderkin of St yeah. uh, Stephen King adaptations. They just like have put them in there. They're like, make more. You're the fucking yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is the best of the ones that he's done. Um, I think so. I, yeah. I, I think, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Green Miles. That that's a solid one too. Really solid. Almost made my top one hundred. It was mm -hmm. this close. Yeah, yeah, that one's really solid. Um, and then I also like uh the one the Mist. I like that one too. That's a very yeah. B movie. Lots of yeah. fun. But yeah, this is this is like one of the best, one of the most well written films ever. Just just absolutely, yeah, absolutely brilliant storytelling. There's so many just beautiful like like the. You know, like that scene where the 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 other guy they let him out of prison because he's just too old. The old guy, yeah, yeah, and he just can't can't do it anymore. That it's, it's so amazing because it, it feels like it's like you said, like there's all these little like uh, one offs, there's all these little like aside side stories, but that's the one that like really like stuck with me the most. I feel like I, I think that's one of the scenes because I caught most of this like I caught this movie piecemeal like on TV yeah. before I watched the whole thing. But that's one of the scenes that I was like flipping through the channels and I was like only I was like, oh, it's an old guy who cares something about the narration and the way that like that scene kind of flows through and it presents yeah. to you like and I think he's trying to like he talks to his son or whatever. I don't remember exactly. And they're just kind of like, yeah, well, OK, whatever, pop. Uh, and then he just he's just like, I can't fucking I don't understand. Like I'm he's sitting in line at the bank and he's just like, what do you mean? It doesn't work this way. I don't know. It's great. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. That that whole sequence is some of the best. Yeah. Stuff you're ever going to see. Yeah, it, for sure. It's, it's just a slow build to a tragic moment. Um, But but sort of, again, underscores what the thing's about. Like they mm -hmm. that, the prison literally took his life, even though it didn't kill him. It just it took so many years out of him. That yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't live without 
being yeah. there and being in the real world, you just can't function. Yeah. Yeah. Well, function. Right. And it, it all adds to the catharsis of when Andy finally gets out and he meets, you know, he's like, I always, I just want to see my friend one more time or whatever. When he meets up with Morgan yeah. Freeman outside, like mm-hmm. it's just such a, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a happy ending, but it's also underscored by all this other sadness. And it kind of leaves you feeling like, yeah, prison sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant film. It's one of the there's a reason why it's so well regarded and and like so popular amongst you know just like general audiences. Yeah, because and people of all ages, I mean, of all generations, like the, it's something about it is just so entertaining. It's just so damn entertaining. Yeah, great stuff and great performances too. Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tim Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the bit all the bit players. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, Roger Deakins shot the movie. Very beautiful. I, I look forward to whenever they do a fucking, cause you know, they're going to do like a 30th anniversary of it. I look forward to, to that remaster. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So my number 46 is an interesting one. This is kind of uh, probably one of the more controversial ones, especially at this, this, at this high, I would say. Uh, Whatever. So this... I just put fast and furious at number 49. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so mine is artificial intelligence AI. Uh, oh, Spielberg okay. Movie. All right, never mind. Oh, yeah. I understand. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is one. This is one that a lot of people, I think, have mixed opinions on. There, See, there's. I was just gonna say you're doing the like true like greatest movies countdown. So I kind of like <laughs> understand why you feel a little trepidatious about this one. Well, I feel very strongly about this movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Mm-hmm. But. De- there's definitely a strong contingent of people for for different reasons who feel like the movie doesn't work. They think that the ending's kind of weird. There's they, you know there's a lot of complaints, and I think that they're valid. Um, I I think the film's incredible, it, absolutely incredible. Uh, I think the directing's incredible. I think um, what's his name who plays David the robot is like unbelievable. It, isn't actually, it Jude Law. No, no, I'm talking about the kid. The kid. Oh, the kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, Haley. Uh, Haley Jawsman. Yeah. Haley Jawsman. Yeah. Um, from uh, the, the kid actor, incredible. That He's era. absolutely yeah. incredible. And yeah. So this movie is about there's this, so basically this family they have a son and the son gets into a coma and they don't think he's ever gonna come out. So the dad works for this company where they are doing robotics and this is in the future. Um, it's like I, I forget like the 2070s or something like that. And so then they they start them in this pilot program. We're gonna give you this robot David that will be a stand-in for your son. And so, you know, they bring him in, and then there's this whole thing where, you know, if you make him imprint on you by doing this series of things, he will, basically, he'll love you forever. And so don't do that if you don't think it's going to work out. So after a while, there we get some kind of fun stuff where the family is dealing with this robot child. Um, they, the mom does the thing, imprints him. Mm-hmm. One, one of the absolutely greatest moments, like, I've seen in terms of a performance. Like, he go like in that scene. He goes from being a robot to being sort of human and loving her. Man, mm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like you just see, mm-hmm. you see it change. You see it change, and, and it's unbelievable. Um, and then you know, of course, things go wrong. The, the the other son gets out of his coma. He's a piece of shit. Horrible. He's a human, right? He's a horrible right. person. Right, 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 right. Um, and so then, obviously, they end up having to push out the uh, the David. Um, and he gets sent off into the world, and the world is 
really, really bad. <laughs> it's, it's a bad world. And he just spends the rest of the movie trying to get back to his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he meets, he meets a gigolo. <laughs> he has a teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's this, there's this crazy scene where the basically humans are killing robots and uh, they don't kill him because robots can't plead for their life, but he does. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this comes up to a crescendo where he gets frozen underwater in the ice. And then it's like 2000 years later, some, uh, I wouldn't say aliens there. We'll all get into the ending, but well, I mean, it's gotta be aliens. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're not really, they're basically they're, they're him. Mm. They're, 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 the, they're, the, they're the descendants of David. They are a, they're basically a Silicon based life form that came out of like what the AI that we created. And then at some point they come back to earth later on to sort of figure out what's, what's going on. But the, the whole, the whole point of this movie is that it's a fairy tale about the origin of this new mm-hmm, species. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he is their he he is their their story that they tell about how they became themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why so like you see at the end there's this really very cool scene with some really cool shots of like seeing the 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 whatever this civilization is and their technology and they are excavating the earth and they have these really cool like I don't know if you call him like a ship or something, but it's all just like little plates and then the plates kind of dissipate um, and they find him and they can all, they can, they can communicate um, sort of like, the, I, I'm not sure how, how you would put it, but like basically they can, they, they take his memories and they can implant it on other people just by, by touching each other. And so then all of them almost immediately know his story. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. at the end they try, they basically try to grant his wish and they sort of do. And then him and his mom die uh together at the end he's he phone home yeah <laughs> very sad um but yeah i think this i think this movie again it's it's a it's a very interesting fairy tale about i guess you could say love uh yeah <laughs> um i i think it works i think i can see why some people sort of have misgivings about the ending and some things like that i think the direction is incredible i think you know again this is this is like a basically a kubrick spielberg collaboration Mm-hmm. This whole idea—that's how they came about, um, and it's sort of like a Pinocchio f- sort of riff. Pinocchio um, for the for the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I just I just think I just think it works, and I think this movie is really, really good. So, yeah, I I I haven't I I watched this movie once a long time ago when I was going through the uh, early two thousands Spielberg era when he started getting into sci-fi a little bit for, for just a short period where he did AI, he did minority report. Um, then he did war of the worlds and like, he just, he, he, there was like that kind of era of him. I watched it the one time and I thought it was cool and I didn't really pay much attention. So unfortunately, like I, I feel like I have a lot to say about this movie. I just don't have the thoughts formed because I've all, I've seen it so long ago and it was kind of a whatever movie for me at that, at that time. Um, like I liked minority report a hell of a lot more, but what I do think is interesting and absolutely mind blowing is that despite kind of like, cause this was, this, this was originally like a Kubrick project and this was going to be his big kind of like, this was going to be his next 2001 in terms of like, revolutionizing like a sci-fi concept for film or whatever the fuck the case like however it was presented or marketed but uh this is a short story i just looked it up the short story this is based on is came out was published in 1969 and to this day it is so goddamn relevant because what you just described the the plot of this movie is 
outside of the whole fairy tale Steven Spielberg ending, um, is is just every Black Mirror episode. It's every fucking you know Netflix yeah, sci-fi series. It's every it's everything every kind of conversation that we have about AI. Uh, one way or another gets led to this of like, what if, what if robots, but people or like, you know, or what if people, but robots. So like a lot of these stories were written in the sixties, you know, do androids dream of electric sheep, all that shit. And then they really only got realized uh, later on. But yeah, it's so interesting to me because, um, but I think this movie, I don't know. I think a lot of people, it just gets mired in the conversation about like, ah, oh, is this a Kubrick movie? Is this a Spielberg movie? Is this, this was supposed to be the greatest thing ever. And it's just another Spielberg movie. And I don't really care about any of that stuff. To me, it was just a perfectly enjoyable movie and I need to see it again. But I do have personally, I have a few issues with Spielberg movies in general. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I love his, I mean, it's undeniable the absolute master that he is, but in like in general, the kind of, uh happy the happiness the whimsicalness the yeah. that I think, stuff i think there's also a lot of people just don't like he he is very uh aware of like how he can manipulate the audience and he does it he does and a lot of people don't like that yeah. which is totally valid um yeah, yeah like like he he knows yeah i think the way that i put it is like he knows that there are certain like basically a lot of people in like not the sort of cinephiles or whatever, like cynical people or like people that want certain things out of their movies, they want to get something out of the movie. So mm -hmm. if you make someone cry in a movie, that's going to make them remember it. Even if it takes you kind of manipulating that situation, you know, mm -hmm. like if you, if there are certain things you can do that are just going to make people, people just have an emotional response. Uh, so for him, he's like, I'm going to do that because that's what, that's how I'm going to get them to be invested, you know? And uh, that's and, and he's gotten so fucking good at it because like every director would love to make an audience feel even ten percent of what Spielberg does just kind of on a whim. On a like whim. it's it's yeah. it's it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but he's got his tools. He's got the John Williams score. He's got his fucking you know the cinematography. He's got the child actors. He's got it all in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I feel like this is this is one that again, like I think I think it is a controversial one. I think not everyone's gonna like it, which is fine. I think there's this is one of those sort of oddities of film history, the the collaboration between him and him and Kubrick, because Kubrick wanted at some point Kubrick was like, I think you should do this. Mm -hmm. but they were collaborating yeah um and kubrick died in 99 and then basically spielberg did this instead of doing um instead of doing harry potter so thank jesus christ yeah, <laughs> yeah so so this this um this film there's a lot of interesting stuff there and i think it's sort of been like when it came out at the time people were like yeah it's whatever it's not great i think it's been rediscovered and people yeah. have kind of championed it but i still still think that there's a lot of people that this is not i don't think this is like one where you know like the Shawshank redemption where people just love it and they watch it this is a there's a particular type of you know ba basically spielberg fans like myself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Love the film and champion the film yeah um, and yeah that's why i sort of have <laughs> taken up the mantle because yeah i mean you have to like like there's a lot of spielbergisms in this movie yeah um and if you're not gonna accept them you're not gonna like it and that's that's totally valid that's totally fair um, yeah, I just I think that there's a lot of people who I think they don't totally understand what the movie's trying to do and say. And so they kind of then they paint it as one thing 
but it's really trying to say something else and mm-hmm. that's another problem. So it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Like it, the delivery isn't totally perfect, mm-hmm. but if you can understand it and accept it, I think it's, it's a really great. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's in, uh, it's not, not great. I mean, it is a good movie. I don't think that the people who say that it's shitty, it's like, it's not a shit. It's not, it doesn't, this movie doesn't like accidentally happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's has just as much thought as any of his other movies put into it. Uh, but I think for me, when I saw it, I was just kind of like cool because, you know, in yeah. a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's, it's 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 obviously expertly crafted, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of a retread of kind of what he did with E.T. and Close Encounters and that kind of like, you know, the the big idea, like the humans and the aliens or the in this case, the AI or whatever the case may be, our relationship with the a higher power, whatever, you know, that that's like a lot in his in all of his films. And so to me, it just kind of felt like another one of those. Uh, and also, maybe I was just kind of silently hoping I was like, what if Kubrick had done this? Would it have been Clockwork Orange, but with AI? Like, I don't know. Like, in, in my head, because I think that gets mixed into the reception as well, where people 100%. are like, we got a Spielberg movie. We could have got, had something else, you know. But uh, it's not a yeah. bad movie by any stretch, and it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, I th- I really do think that, like, part of the politics of it in the in the big discourse, because, yeah. like, again, this is – this. That's the other thing too. I feel like, unfortunately, like this maybe not a movie for the general audience. This is for, like, again, the cinephile, the 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 like the Spielberg yeah. purist lovers. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, yeah. it comes off of the it comes off the back of Saving Private Ryan, and it come and it comes out the same year as. Um, what the fuck were we just talking about? Um, not the Fast and the Furious, although that came out the same year. But there were like a lot of other better movies that came out in two thousand one, and that this one just kind of got. Well, I mean, Lord of the, the Rings came out. The Lord, year. Of, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Yeah. That's what it was. Lord yeah. of the Rings and Harry Potter. Came uh, yeah, out it, it's so it's kind of like yeah, Spielberg had a movie out, but like look at the new hotness, kind of. Yeah, 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 and and again, this I, yeah, I just feel like this this movie did pretty well in terms of box office, but it's it's not it's not it's not something that I don't think it's something that people you know, the general audience would really understand. Like you have to yeah. understand what the two of them were trying to do together. Yeah. You have to love both of them to yeah. really like this movie and sort of accept that it's a Spielberg movie as well. Like yeah. that, the, the politics of it. And this is, again, this is, this is, I think why this film is kind of in a hard spot because the people who are arguing over this are like cinephiles who are like, all yeah, that's be, true. That's true. They're all, they're all going to be Kubrick people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's just makes it like the film stuck in limbo. It's, it's like, yeah, there's, not enough for those people who are like, no, this is a Spielberg movie, and we like it that way, you know. <laughs> well, let me, well, yeah. let me, let me put a, let me, I'll, I'll put a cap in it this way. Um, a friend of mine who is not a movie like a cinephile by any stretch of the imagination, he knows the name Spielberg. He's seen Saving Private Ryan and like maybe a couple other things. I don't think he's seen ET. I don't think he's seen Close Encounters. Uh, a friend of mine a couple of years ago told me that he's like, oh, I watched this movie AI the other day. I was like, oh yeah, the Spielberg movie. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it really affected me. Like, I really, like, I cried. Like, this this movie was, like, I really made me think about, like, you know, life and, you know, mortality, whatever the case may be. Uh, and I was like, cool. I mean, this is a very general audience person, so it does, obviously, yeah. it has all of that power built into it, but it depends how you come at it, because if yes. my friend had been, like, the ultimate Close Encounters stan, he would have, or, you know, he would have been a Kubrick fan or whatever, he probably would have seen it differently. But as a general audience, even, still, um, he, he was really affected by it, so, yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting film. Um, you know, again, like, I, I feel like the only person I've ever seen really champion this film was A.O. Scott, the critic. He mm. talked about 
really loving this film. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just one of those those films. It's kind of like hope it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I mean, there's a lot of Spielberg films that are really really good, and this is. This it, is I think it, it it came out kind of lost in the shuffle, but I'm hoping that it's going to be something like some of the other movies we're talking about that is going to be rediscovered as people kind of come through, like um, yeah. like Clint Eastwood's Breezy. Like nobody fucking knows that movie exists, but maybe once you know, 50 years from now, when like all these guys are dead and buried, and people are going through their filmographies, they're going to start picking out these movies. And I think AI is is. Absolutely, it's gonna be talked about forever. I, it's gonna I be talked say. about forever. Don't 100%, worry about it. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's my. Uh, we have forty six. That was my number forty six. AI. Forty six. Cool, dude. Good picks. Um, my number forty five. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, we made it. We made it to Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard was always gonna be. It was like I had like five movies that I put on this list in the beginning. Just <laughs> spit them out. Die Hard was one of them. It it went down a lot farther than I thought it would. Um, but Die Hard to me, it's just, it's not higher on the list because of how much of a known quantity it is even. Like I've seen Die Hard so many times, almost as many times as I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious. Like I know this movie inside and out, but that's, and that's not to say it's like, you know, when you were talking about like Spielberg movies, it's like, you can, you can pick your Spielberg movie and say like, this is the ultimate movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you kind of take for granted how brilliant it is in the first place. You can talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark and how much you love it, but then, like, you like really, the reason that it's so well loved is because of how well made it is and how well it executes on its premise. Uh, Die Hard, I believe, is 100% in the same category of just how fucking perfectly crafted it is for what it's trying to do. Um, is it a Christmas movie? Fuck you. We're not having that discussion. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Die Hard is. Uh, it, it stands so so much more on its own as is as, as, as a not even just a great action movie it's just a great film the way that it's made and 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 everything i mean it's it, it's it's a fun concept of like what if we took a guy and we put him in the middle of this like crazy circumstance like what it's it's one of those movies that um i struggled to think of like a category for him but it's one of those movies of like what would you do if you're in this situation type mm -hmm. of movies that mass audiences really really love like when you go see a yeah. horror movie and people are screaming at the screen like ah bitch don't get the knife yeah, grab yeah, the yeah. knife bitch what are you doing yeah. it's like it's one of those movies where like oh shit like there's a terrorist uh, you know just on the other side of the room like fuck what would you do would you be hiding here what would you mm -hmm. you know it's like what is what is he gonna do and you know john mcclain for the most part is like He's an intelligent guy and he gets his, he fights his way out of these situations. It's really interesting. It's really like what you're talking about is sort of a riff on the Hitchcockian premise of just a kind angry of. man. Yeah. And so instead of being put into some spy intrigue or something like that, it's like he's a regular cop from New York. He's in LA. There's a terrorist attack, but he's a real cop who is relentless. Yeah. That's his thing. And he's just going to do what he does. His yeah. thing is, I'm going to fuck these people up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's a he's a badass motherfucker. I mean, and you talk about like people talk about like this, uh, screenwriting wise, like this, this oh, movie it's does, perfect. This it's movie so does perfect. so yeah. so 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 many things that again you take for granted as an audience member, and you don't think about it in the same way that you don't think about how some other movies are so great. But like all of the little things that it does, like him being barefoot, and you know, remember, make balls, you know, make fists with your feet, things like that, like all of these little things kind of pay off and they, they circulate, they reverberate throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, and again, for a mass audience, you don't think about it, but it, it just works. Yeah. Uh, that's how I would describe Die Hard. It just works. <laughs> yeah, it just works. It's a, it's an absolutely brilliant film. And you know, um, just like one of the great action hero characters yeah. of all yeah. time. Yeah. Yippee ki -yay, motherfucker. <laughs> Yippee ki -yay, motherfucker. And I mean, yeah, it's just got all the things that not only that, uh, Hans Gruber, I mean, what a great character. Film. What a great, great villain. I feel like this is one of the 
for especially for the 80s i mean i've seen a lot of 80s movies a lot of 80s movies and in particular their villains are shit villains they are just i am bad for the sake of being bad and i mean hans gruber is kind of bad for the sake of being bad too but i don't know it's something about alan rickman and maybe it's him and maybe it was i mean it, it is written in the script but like he just adds so much kind of more personality to it than like a Richter or a Cohagen or any one of these like Schwarzenegger villains who are just fucking cardboard cutout bad guys. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's truly something new, I think for the genre and for like films in general, Uh, like a good likable even villain. Mm -hmm. Like you see him do some horrible shit. You see him like executing people, you know, the Mm -hmm. boss and stuff early in the movie. And you're just kind of like, I don't know, this German guy is kind of likable. Like it's, it does. It does a lot of things right. Die Hard. <laughs> it uh, it absolutely does. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It's just one of the great action movies of all time. And it's going to continue is, to be played forever. This is another one that, at its time, people didn't really. The critical consensus was not strong about. It. Right. Right. Um, but the movie made a lot of money. This is a I TV all star. This is a TV all star. This yeah, is honestly. absolutely a TV all star. Like you don't yeah. turn this off when you see him. Like you know. When the no. terrorists like take over or whatever, you're yeah. like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John McTiernan, right? Like John this, McTiernan, yeah. Like another, yeah. So I was doing this other podcast. And we were talking about the Batman movies, and he almost was going to direct the Batman movie. He would have done Batman Forever if it wasn't for Schumacher. Oh, okay, um, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he was in the running. Um, sort of, I, th- I, I would have been very interested to see his uh, his take on. Dude, that would have been sick because continuing off of the darkness of Tim Burton, I think that would have been really cool. Yeah 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 um yeah it's just yeah he's he's hopefully he'll be able to come back after all hopefully the, yeah <laughs> all the stuff that happened with murder ball and he got I'm a his career him. yeah he sunk dude listen he fucking you want to talk about career suicide they, they're, they're yeah. viciously suicided himself yeah yeah relentlessly <laughs> Career seppuku. Yeah. Um, self-inflicted exactly. disemboweling. Um, yeah. But yeah, like in the eight, because like, went so the year before was Predator, right? Predator, yeah. So he's, Predator, he's Predator, Die Hard. Mm-hmm. And he also Fire. directed Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? Die Hard with a Vengeance, yeah. Last Action Hero. Um, a couple other ones. I mean, some really great ones. That's some uh, good Of stuff. the era. Did, yeah. Did, did he do a submarine movie? Thank you. Hunt for Red October was the one right after Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a solid movie. That's a yeah. solid movie. Um, but the, yeah. all these movies made money. They made they printed money. money uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But he didn't direct the second one. Die Hard, no. Yeah. They they gave they gave that one to Rennie Harlan, who's a fucking degenerate. But uh, I, I I like him. But he's he's kind of a shitty filmmaker. Uh, but you yeah. know he made a lot of money too. He's from Finland, I think. Uh, he's he's an action guy. He's a B movie action guy. Oh, okay. Rennie Harlan. He he directs a lot of nowadays a lot of straight to Netflix movies. Uh, but at the time, you know, he got Die Hard two. He was young. He was you know he was an attractive young filmmaker. He married Gina Davis. Good for him. Uh, but uh, they together sunk their own careers because they made Cutthroat mm. Island. If you oh yeah, that. the pirate yeah. movie. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. the the story of some of these Hollywood action guys is is pretty fascinating. But Die Hard, kind of, I think Die Hard is like kind of that comes at the perfect time of just like it's just kind of unfuckwithable. It's at the tail end of the '80s, where it's almost like the revisionist '80s action movie, where it's actually good and the characters are interesting and fun and likable, and it's not just Schwarzenegger and Stallone with their muscles, you know, mm-hmm. and like he the fucking Masters yeah. of the Universe or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's actually like a, a good film first and then an action movie on top of it. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Because yeah, even like Predator, like that, there's not really a lot of, I mean, there's story there. There's some really deep stuff that I think is interesting, but there it's is, very but... surface level, big muscle guys. Predator is, is, is a big muscle guy. Yeah, it's just probably the most polished of the big muscle yeah. guy movies. Um, and Terminator 2 hadn't come out yet to kind of, again, I think Die Hard and Terminator 2 are kind of in the same vein of like, yes, it's an action movie, but it's so much more. <laughs> Yeah, like there's exactly. so so much nuance to it, and the this the writing is so good. Um, and we have to say, like like you know, a movie's good when they do a billion that are the same premise. Yeah. Like there are so many movies: Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard on a train, Die yes. Hard on a Die Hard in a school. Die, yeah. Die Hard, yeah, Die Hard in a school. Uh, what was the one skyscraper with uh, what's his name? Uh, the Rock. Which oh, is the the, the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the same movie, Die Hard in China. Um, Die Hard in China. Yeah. With a guy with one leg. <laughs> Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like it's just it's just always the same thing but it always works because it's just so captivating that, and that yeah you're right it's that premise it's it's uh, it might be like yeah the hitchcockian connection like it's just it's a simple it's a beautiful beautiful setup and you're just it's it's one of those fun audience pleasing things where it's just like ah what is he gonna do next ah, i know what i would do what is he gonna do it ah he did it he did the thing he did you know, the character is smart you know like that that's yeah. it's, a, it's a fun thing for audiences yeah yeah good yeah. stuff die hard love mm-hmm. it yeah. All right. So my number forty-five is another '70s movie. Uh, One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, yes. The Milos Forman film. Yes. Um, this is a great movie. Lots of great. Like the acting's incredible, right? Uh, Jack Nicholson's incredible. Um, yeah. All the bit actors are incredible. The person who plays Nurse Ratchet is incredible. Incredible. Nurse incredible. <laughs> yeah. So good, in fact, that Netflix fucking made a series about her. Yeah. They made a whole yeah. TV show with what's her name? Uh, who's Sarah another Paulson. Brian Murphy? Sarah yeah. Paulson. Yeah. They're like. <laughs> career marriage basically uh, yeah it, good for that i mean ryan murphy is just a fucking machine at this point he's a yeah. machine yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's he's a total machine um yeah what's funny about this one so like i i read the book i had to read this book for like high school no the kidding book, i read the book too <laughs> yeah the book the book and the film were very different very I mean, different the book, the, I, I feel like you would love the book right because it's all i in, do i do like the book yeah it's all in uh yeah. the the chief's head and his his head is full of some very dark <laughs> dark <laughs> images dude it is like, whoa what you get from him now we don't get any of that in the movie no um, we don't get any of that but we what we get is these really great character stuff um and performances and it still pays off that ending like you know yeah. the fact that they lobotomize him yeah yeah and yeah. then the chief kills him but then busts his ass out of there yeah so like he was able to inspire them to 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 like i'm not crazy i'm getting the f out of here yeah and it just this this movie it just it works it just yeah. like like it, the story is so strong and you know this is this is a great sort of tale of how to adapt a, uh, a story in a way that still serves the original sort of theme and elements but not having to be so not having to be a genre movie about just some dude fucking doing psychedelics yeah 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 because like that stuff like I remember like those those chapters in the book where it's the chief and he's talking about how how the shit he was seeing. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, you have to read that stuff. Uh, yeah. But this movie's still able to, like, kind of work really, really well without having to be a slave to doing that and not be maybe not even be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I think you, I think you nailed it. I think it's, it's another, I think we're entering a subcategory. Maybe we've just created it of movies that just work. Like Shawshank, Die Hard, Cuckoo's Nest. I feel like Cuckoo's Nest is another one of those TV, not necessarily, maybe not an all-star, but 
if this movie is playing on TV and you're just catching one of the scenes, you know, where Jack Nicholson's like uh, in the psychiatrist's office in the beginning of the film or, you know, they're going on the boat ride or whatever, you're catching one of these scenes and you're just captivated. You're or just captivated. Any, any one of the scenes where they're just in the kind of break room, they're playing cards or whatever, and you see fucking mm-hmm. Daniel DeVito being stupid. Yeah. and Like, it's just, it just, it just works. I don't know. It's, 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 it's another one of those movies that it, all of the different elements, I think, came together. And Yeah, because it's because the character stuff is so well done. I think that's mm-hmm. what really like hooks us in. And uh, Scatman Brothers is in this, right? He's the he's the guy who who lets the he's complicit in letting the hookers All in. The hookers, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, such yeah, a great yeah. scene. And then the tragedy after. Yeah, the tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it, it's such a great it's such a great movie. Um, just another seventies classic. Yeah, it's a seventies classic, and I think it I think it's more palatable to mass audiences than a lot of the other seventies movies that we talked about, mm-hmm. like. I would like I wouldn't show like an average person like the conversation or something, but Cuckoo's Nest, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it works for it works. I think it's a timeless thing. I think Cuckoo's Nest is going to be able to be watched, you know, forever. It's it's just yeah. such a it's well directed, it's well staged, it, everything about it is just really watchable. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, and um, I was um, I forget what it was, but someone, some film people they were talking about like around this time, like basically I guess why stuff like this ended up happening and getting made. I think, I believe there was a documentary hmm. in like the sixties or seventies or something like that, where some guy went into one of these places and he spent so much time there that people kind of got comfortable with him and he recorded yeah. some absolute horrors. <laughs> yeah. 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 I heard about this. I forget what it was called, but I forget uh, as well. Uh, it, and he was a very big documentarian, mm-hmm. but People had no idea like how bad things were. Yeah. These the, yeah. the lobotomies, the basically these these people torturing people. Yeah. Uh, there. Well, there's a yeah. No, it's crazy. There's a great movie. Uh, side side note: uh, the Snake Pit with uh, Olivia de Havilland that kind of shows a little bit of that back in like the 50s. I think it was like she goes to like an old women's uh, uh, psychiatric mm-hmm. ward, and it's kind of like that movie is just like her spiraling. Add completely into insanity because well it's a hysteria thing is like her you know her husband doesn't know what to do with her so he puts her in the in the asylum uh i don't know if you've seen the snake pit but it's a great fucking movie but uh yeah by the end of it it's just like the place makes her go insane when she you know in in it's a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of yeah. you go into one of these mental institutions you're fucked no matter what even if you were insane like it's not gonna make you better <laughs> so i feel like that was in the consciousness and by the time those films were coming out in the 60s, it was like documentary, act- like the video clips. But yeah, people were just like, people were kind of understanding what it was about. And this movie, I think, is kind of like the payoff for all of it. It is. Yeah, it's the payoff. Um, yeah, because that was that was some rough stuff. <laughs> what they were doing to people in these. In Absolutely movies. insane, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think in California, it wasn't until like, I forget when, but it was very long when they would force sterilizations of yeah right uh in the state of california like that's right yeah yeah yeah. 70s or something like that like they would do all kinds of horrible stuff Mm -hmm. just totally take their autonomy away yeah 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 crazy totally crazy um yeah yeah, and this this just sort of goes goes there on a certain way with with really good characters and really yeah and i mean and and jack is insane He's, I mean, he's, he's literally insane. That's why he, they put him, what, what does he say? He's, I like fighting. I like fucking like that's, that's enough to make, to brand him insane in the culture at the time. So they put him yeah. in the institution and then he actually loses his fucking mind. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's just, yeah, he's already, he's a degenerate, but he's not, is that, it, is that, does that make you insane? If you're just like a piece of shit? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting, 
It's an we'll interesting make, question. We'll make you go crazy. We'll make you go crazy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, if you're not going to conform to society, we're going to show you why you're wrong and and you'll never you'll never be able to escape this. Uh-huh. Uh it's a great it's a great fucking tale this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Uh yes, yeah, so that's my number 45, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, great movie. We'll be talking about it again soon. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh yeah, so number 44 for me is the unfuckwithable Robert Rodriguez Sin City. Um, Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's just such an amazing kind of it, it, coming together of all the elements, basically, to make this movie. Robert Rodriguez is obsessed with digital filmmaking at this point. Uh, he's one of the first, if not the very first. I think he's the very, very first. I think the other one was Sky Captain. Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow was another one where they did a lot of stuff like this. Also, well, well um, Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars, Star Wars was, or sorry, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, uh, was like the yeah, and well, especially like the way they do. He does the sets. A lot of it is green screen, and then they do it in post. Right, no, no, but I, I mean, like, um, in terms of like making movies with digital cameras, he's absolutely like it's George Lucas and Robert Rodriguez because he makes Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and then Michael Mann makes Collateral and whatever. But this movie is just kind of like the perfect of, you know, you see the star Wars movies and you see kind of how shitty the CGI is. And he's like, what if I just make a comic book? Like, what if I just literally make a comic book with a green screen set? And that's exactly what he does. And it's, it's so cool because I mean, I don't think we've talked at length about Robert Rodriguez yet, but uh, absolutely one of my favorite filmmakers, but I love that he gets these ideas and he, he's very DIY. He's very hands-on. He, you know, he shoots, he's you, most of the time, director of photography, original score, editor of his own movies, producer, director, yeah. he does everything. So it feels, it has a handmade quality to it. And this feels like he, he has a thing, like we're all obsessed with these movies. He's a, you know, he has his own obsessions. One of the things is he really likes the Frank Miller comic, right? Sin City. But he has enough cachet and enough power to get Frank Miller involved, to get a studio, to give him money for him to film a comic book, basically. And he invents a lot of the techniques for for making this stuff for, with, the, with the green screen. I mean, yeah, okay, George Lucas was doing it, too. And by the time this comes out, I think Revenge of the Sith was coming out. But um, he just does all of these interesting camera tricks and... Um, to, for me, the most the thing I like about this the most is not necessarily the technical nerdy stuff about how he made it and he made it look like a comic book is what he does. And he's aware enough, like we were talking about, he knows how to use his actors like he knows how to put Christoph oh, yeah. Waltz in a movie and put him in the right spot. He knows he's very aware of like if this is going to be a noir thing and it's like a noir of a noir. I'm going to bring in Bruce Willis and I'm going to make him a detective. I'm going to bring in Mickey Rourke and I'm going to make him fucking Mickey Rourke. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. He cast Clive Owen in like one of the greatest performances he's ever given. Um, Benicio del Toro's in this movie is like a crazy fucking domestic abuser. It's, it's just, he knows what he's doing. Uh, He gets, of course, Tarantino shows up for one day on set. He directs the the scene in the car where Benicio Mm -hmm. del Toro's dead, but not really. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've seen this movie many, many times. There's a director's cut of it that is like, you know, the supreme version of it, in my opinion. Um, I haven't seen it recently. I don't know how well all of the special effects hold up. Like, I know some of like some of the scenes in the tar pits are kind of weird, and some of the scenes with Elijah Wood are kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but that's that's because the two were never on the set. Like Mickey Rourke and Elijah Wood have never met. They 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 weren't on the set for like an entire day, uh, for a single day, I should say, and. 
you know, he eats him. <laughs> so he has, they had to do a lot of, again, it just comes from the mind of a filmmaker that knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. And he knows he has the technical know-how of how he wants to stitch the whole thing together. And, uh, it's just, I, it, the vibes of it. Like, I like, I like noir, like two or three layers removed from the original because it just gets more and more like up its own ass. And this is like the perfect amount of up its own ass for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents uh, and I saw this movie. This is like the first R-rated movie we all saw together. Uh, we had to drive. Yeah, I'm serious. Well, that's what they say. I don't know if that's totally, but mm-hmm. well, it's, yeah, it's definitely not true because we saw like Amistad and shit like that together. Mm-hmm. But like, this is one where anyway, th- this has a special place. Like me and all my friends, we saw this together, and this film's incredible. Like this film's it's really incredible, and it's kind of, really kind is. of, kind of, uh, yeah, it's so interesting of a film because. First off, it's just a bunch of pastiche of different stories put together and yeah. he kind of weaves a narrative thread that makes them all kind of cohesive. Yeah. Um, but it, it but that kind of works because that kind of fits into like the the noir kind of flashbacky, you know, where like yeah. the narrative isn't always totally cohesive. Mm-hmm. So it fits in that way. And it's just beautiful what he's able to do. Like there's so many scenes that are just like so, so just incredibly cinematic. Yeah. The way that he paints these the the comic book you know he yeah. makes it a comic book yeah it's amazing i mean it's interesting because like i you hear him talk about it I've, I've i've long it's been a while since i did a deep dive on it but like he the way he talks about it he's just like reading the, he's reading the comic book and he's like this is a movie like yeah. we just take if you just take these panels and you shoot them a certain way like this is this is already a movie and i just love that he was you know again he was aware enough to do it and do it in the way the style that he did and um yeah, I, I have like a another friend of mine who's not a very big movie guy. I saw this movie recently. And they're like, dude, I think the way he said it, he's like, Sin City fucks hard. You know? <laughs> he's like, it, it, it is so incredible. And like, yeah, I just there's so many good sort of payoffs and stuff like the Jessica Alba stuff. Yeah, that whole that whole story arc is just like beautiful and tragic. And like, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I don't know. It just it's just everything about the film kind of just like. It's just so cool, you know? Yeah, like, it's just so cool. You're right. Yeah, and like, you know, so like the first story is like, the first one, right, is it's the it's the cop stuff, like the dead it's cop. It's the cop stuff, yeah, the yellow bastard, I think. Yeah, the, yeah, well, well, the, the one with Clive Owen, because the, the one with Clive Owen is they kill, or was that the second one? I no, that's like the last, okay. that's like the, the one right before the, the very end, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I need to watch this again. No, but there's like, a but, but I get it. There's a couple different cuts of this movie, and he rearranged them. So oh, he did. Okay, he did. So. He did. Because uh, in the in the in the like final director's cut, he has like chapter breaks. He like shows you the mm-hmm. title card of each story before the story plays out, and in the theatrical cut, it just kind of all flows as a movie. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, because like in, in the theatrical, there's a sort of explicit way that so like for instance, um, when. Uh, the when when um I forget what her name is Abigail or whatever meets with uh with the Bruce Willis character like mm-hmm, Marv mm-hmm. Marv is there he's like right. depressed yeah yeah and the other other girl the the twin meets him there mm-hmm. and it's just like the way it weaves together and you're like oh wait that person's that it's person. it's Pulp Fictiony it's, it's very, very Pulp Fictiony yeah um, yeah it's and, definitely inspired by Pulp Fiction and yeah at least the structure of it yeah and 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 it but it like it feels so kind of it all works for the whole in a way that you know. There are definitely some, so like the, with the Marv character, his story arc, he has a sort of tragic ending that we then later learn he didn't need to do. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then we're like, oh shit, that's kind of, that's really sad. But then it's like, I don't know. It's kind of cool. <laughs> no. Um, it, yeah. And, and it's just really smart the way that, cause like this, this thing is just a bunch of stories. 
Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of stories. And he chose a couple and he thought, okay, I can weave them together this way. Yeah. And he just chose like a bunch of the best stories and then he just weaves them and it just all flows. It all works. And it's all yeah. just tales yeah. in this, 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 this place. Um, mm-hmm. There's some I, great lines too. I, I love like when, so like they're, they're torturing um, Bruce Willis the guy has this long, crazy monologue. I just yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. He's like, yeah, Mr. Law and Order. He's like beating the shit out of him. And it's, Dude, it's I so, love that scene. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's so consistent too. It's like, it's so like over the top noir isms throughout like the yeah. way everybody talks like my my favorite part of the whole movie is marv's like internal monologue the way he talks like yeah there's goldie and goldie was the one and this and that and he's just like yeah she's a she's a hooker with a heart of gold but like she's my hooker with a heart of gold like i don't know like just the way that he he talks yeah. about it is so yeah. great it, and, it, it's uh, it's awesome like the way they do the noir isms yeah um but like in this cartoony comic booky world, like yeah. it's fusing the two, like the whole Marv storyline where he's just fucking unstoppable killer and just mm-hmm. destroying everybody. Um, yeah. Dude, the Elijah Wood stuff is creepy. It's creepy and it's, it's awesome. I love that it's in there. Uh, and the way that he, again, the way that he chose to shoot it, like you never see, you just see his glasses. You, uh, I mean, it's in the, it's in the comic book as well, but like Elijah Wood is a great pick because what is he known for? His big eyes, uh so and he's just like the squirmy little dude uh that you know fucking eats your legs so yeah right right. i love that scene (laughs) we're trying to grab him and he like cuffs him yeah 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 he's like slashing him (laughs) yeah it's just a crazy insane movie and it's a blessing that it got made um but it was i mean this is the kind of shit that robert rodriguez could probably pull out of his ass anytime because he's so intimately aware of what it's going to cost him and how he can do it because he he does he also does the vfx on a lot of his movies like he just sits there at his fucking computer in his studio in texas and he makes all of this shit he has a team obviously but he has hands on every single aspect of the movie so he knows exactly like he can go to a studio and pitch them the full thing and say, this is what it's going to cost me and I can do it. Uh, and shout out to the sequel that uh, it, a lot of people talk shit about, but I think is not, obviously it's not as good as the first one, but uh, because we've already seen these tricks done and then we had that fucking abomination. We had the spirit come out and we had again, sky yes, captain, spirit. sky captain did a lot of the same stuff. So like we've seen it. And by the time we get to sin city too, it's like not that, not that interesting anymore. It would, it, it maybe would have worked better as like a Netflix thing, but uh, I still love the the sequel as well and he brings back a lot of the same characters he brings mm-hmm. back there's a he has a really really nice way that he incorporates there's marvin into it yeah there's a couple great and, payoffs yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that movie the problem i have with the second one is it just doesn't it just doesn't have the same narrative like strength it just doesn't right. like the stories aren't as captivating as they are in this first one i think like he all, blew his load of the, uh, of the source material wise probably, probably yeah 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 i mean because like you know even just like the, the the yellow bastard story just it's so you know such a classic kind of tale of revenge and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and just just you know power gone mad and people yeah. think they're untouchable um yeah yeah, and it's, it, it's, it just takes that whole 1940s noir of like a like a dirty city with like everybody's dirty in it, um, which some people were feeling that way, maybe like in, in the society with all the gangsters and stuff in the 30s and 40s. And it just takes it to the extreme where everything, even the rats are like dirty, diseased, like every everything in, in this milieu is just fucking 
a, some kind of scum or criminal. Mm-hmm. And I love those types of worlds and I love living in those worlds. Um, and this movie, it's it's stylized, but uh, I think it, it brings that across in a really, really cool way. Yeah. Um, God. And then I was just thinking about now of like little Miho and like all these. Oh, I love there. Miho. Yeah. What, what's I, the what's the place with all the hookers? What do they call that place? Um, I don't remember what it's called. I, don't I forget. About. But, but, yeah. They, but yeah, there's a whole. Oh, and what? Dude, there's so many good, like very, very small character moment like the like the what's it gilmore girls or whatever <laughs> oh yeah gilmore girls is in this yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. she's in this movie as like a yeah. hooker and 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 like um <laughs> she's like the one that is rescued or whatever yeah i believe so yeah yeah well isn't there there's like a there's like a turnabout in there right like she's she turns on them i think or something like that I well forget. it's it's uh, the, the 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 sheer fact that there's like a gang of hookers in in this movie is just incredible to me it's just what a great world to be in. <laughs> there's, there's a hooker gang there's a hooker gang, and also they they fucking patrol their turf so it's like yeah you can't go into this territory if you're a cop and uh the great michael oh, clark duncan is in this michael clark uh, duncan yes took off so my good blades. yeah god damn <laughs> And um, Brittany Murphy as like Benicio del Toro's just fucking abused girlfriend is she has like such a like probably one of the most human characters in the movie. Uh, she just has like this like spirit about her, and um, then you see again like all of the, the way that it's weaved. You see her later see as her like later. the um, you know just like the bartender just at the, the waitress, strip club yeah. mm-hmm. or waitress, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. not bartender. Sorry, yeah, waitress. Yeah, it's just a really really cool it's movie. Great. And I think it's just cool that he he picked all the different stories with all the the like what are the most cinematic elements that you know from each one of these stories and then you set it in that world and you make the world cohesive and you like you make it all one world with all the characters intermingling into all the different stories. It's just it's perfect the way it is. And I think it's very pulp fiction. Like if pulp fiction doesn't exist, I don't think this movie is, is made in the same way. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they would try and make one storyline. Yeah, totally right. Work. They would do. They would do the yellow bastard for two hours, probably. Yeah, do the like yellow bastard, but like also kind of weave in some of the other stuff, like make him go see, meet the hookers, and make him go. Yeah, just know. to say, because like every, because that's that's every other fucking Hollywood adaptation is just like we'll do one story, but we'll show you like ah, we'll make nods, you know, we'll go, we'll have Lara Croft go and fucking, you know, <laughs> she has her two guns or whatever, and yeah, oh, she yeah, puts, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a. She puts the um, the butler in the freezer. Ha ha. Like that's a thing from the yeah, game. Too. Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's really not about any one of those things. They just like make up a story. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's cool that he was able to take all of the stories and just kind of combine them with it with a nonlinear kind of um, way. Yeah, I love the movie. Um, one of my Same. favorites. Yeah, I, I feel like we could talk about it forever. I love this movie yeah, too. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So my number 44 is Spartacus from 1960, Stanley Kubrick movie. Yes. Uh, so this is like, yeah, this, I feel like this is like sort of the, the height of the, the Hollywood uh, Kubrick stuff that he did. Yeah. Um, sometime. Sure. So let me see. After this, when did he do Lolita? I forget. I think it was um, like a year before this that okay. it came out. Yeah, because yeah, then at some point he basically moves to England and uh, never yeah. comes back. <laughs> yeah, good for him. <laughs> got, got the hell. I was reading. I, I was reading something, and so basically, like they they were living in New York, him and his wife, and then mm-hmm. he was like, New York was. <laughs> New, York. Yeah. New York was like the shit where it's you, yeah. you know like we were it was, talking about in these it was becoming shit. the New York of the French connection yeah. yeah it was becoming that and it was like mm-hmm. you know motherfuckers getting robbed and killed mm-hmm. and it's like yoink I'm out <laughs> yeah. but anyway so um so yeah he makes this this is like the big time 
Hollywood spectacle. Yeah. Kirk Douglas, our friend Scatman Crothers is in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, Lawrence Olivier is in this, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays yeah. Um, fucking Marcus Crassus. I don't remember. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Great acting. Um, great director. And this is just like, this is just like a brilliant Hollywood yeah. epic of the time, you know, like Ben Hur, like that we, mm-hmm. I talked about earlier. Um, and just a great story. Just a great story, you know? Yeah. Um, a guy who just is born and raised a slave. He, he becomes a gladiator and then he starts a rebellion. The rebellion unfortunately well, fails. He's not born and raised a slave, but he gets, uh, well, I, he gets, he gets put into slavery basically. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's enslaved. He's, um, yeah. which, yeah, the, yeah. And, you know, like they, and then, yeah, they're forced to fight to the death and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, then starts this massive rebellion. Um, and it's just like, you know, one of those classic stories of, of trying to fight for your freedom, you know, again, sort of like Braveheart kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, you know, how far people are willing to go. And, you know, at the end, no one's willing to give them up. No one will. They're all willing to die. Together. I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. <laughs> yeah. It's a brilliant movie. Uh, well, well directed, well acted. Yeah. Um, a lot of spectacle, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, can't recommend it more. I love yeah. the film. Same. No, I'm I'm fucking stoked now that now that you put you put Ben Hur on my mind and then you like Spartacus and now we're talking about Spartacus and uh, I'm stoked now. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna get that 4K Blu-ray of it because it does exist. This movie was shot on 70 millimeter film. Uh, I I gotta see that yeah. shit, dude. I've yeah. seen this movie a couple times, oh, yeah. obviously, but like I've gotta see the 4K of it. The Spartacus story, like I said, is very near and dear to my heart because I love that show version of it so much. And uh, I just love that story. I love all of the characters. I love the idea that Spartacus is put in the shittest Ludus he could possibly be put in. And Batiatus is such an interesting, sorry, Batiatus in the Kubrick movie uh, is such an interesting, like, shit-eating character. Um, he's the the slave owner, basically. And uh, just, like, all the, uh, the, the backdrop of the Roman politics of the whole thing and the way that Spartacus influences everybody, you know, like he's a great gladiator, but not uh, everybody else is just kind of obsessed with being a, a, a gladiator and, and glory. And Spartacus is, you know, the, the one who kind of is able to think about more and he's able to kind of awaken all of these people and uh, bring some humanity back to them because they, they're all basically just dogs that fight in an arena. Um, it's a really cool, really cool story. And I mean, obviously, this movie is pretty unfuckwithable as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just one of. One of his one of the great films that he's done. Um, yeah. And again, this is the height of him. You know, he'd done a bunch of other stuff like The Killing, which is great. Yeah. Um, some other kind of smaller Hollywood films. And this was his big, yeah. big thing that he got to do. Yeah. This is absolutely the, the peak of his fucking Hollywood mm-hmm. career. Well, the the big like we were talking about again, like the spectacle, big Hollywood movies. I mean, and this is kind of the end of that era, too. I feel like like the 60s didn't really have too many of these. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is they start making like Cleopatra and these other like that are too big. Yeah. And don't really work. And then they're like, OK, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, it's let's the give, same. Let's give these 20 year olds, you know, exactly. that went to to college. Let's give them ten million dollars and see what happens. Exactly, exactly, and yeah, it, it's it's cycles. You know, when when the big one these die off, and then twenty years later, you know, 
you give the 20 year olds too much power and you know then that dies off and then we do another thing and another thing but um yeah i I love spartacus and i'm gonna watch i'm gonna make an effort i'm gonna get that 4k and i want to watch it because i have kubrick is is um i mean i'm a i'm a collector right and i i have i've already i've had all of his movies for a long time but over the years the last two or three years they've been re-releasing specifically a lot of his movies in 4k uh, which is great because, again, when we talk about Kubrick, as film nerds, what do we talk about? We talk about the blocking and the shots and the composition of the shots and the stuff that he does. And so to see something like 2001 in 4K mm-hmm. is just like fucking whoa. Um, yeah. So totally. it's it's good that this is this got the re-release and I'm definitely going to mm-hmm. it came out this year. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to make an effort to get that and watch that and let you know uh, what yeah. I think. Yeah, it should look good. Um, and that's yeah, that's oh, yeah. cool. Like all this stuff shot on film, it's really well done, big, well composed. Big film though, like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's it's just it's just really cool that that he made these films and they're they've they're really well done. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my number forty four, Spartacus. I am Spartacus. <laughs> number uh, number forty three for me. We're gonna take you back. We're gonna take you back to uh, the French Connection, and the French Connection comes out, and it's like. Cool. That's really gritty. I like it. What are you going to do next? I'm going to make The Exorcist. Number 43 is The Exorcist, baby. Um, what a what a fucking movie. From the very yeah. beginning of it, when we're in that like um, in that quarry, you know, and like some other, some, I forget what country it is, but it's like it's is it some like Middle Eastern country? Yeah, or mm-hmm. some something like that. It's, and yeah, it's like it's probably I don't know jordan or some you know someplace or syria or something like that yeah something yeah but like from the from the very outset the way that 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 beginning scene of the movie is directed and the way that it's it's put together is you've got max von cito um and he's like you know he's looking for he's like an uh, archaeologist or whatever he's looking for this artifact and then i remember there's a scene where he's like in an office with someone and it's like really quiet but like you can hear the clock and then like we're focused on the clock for a while and then like throughout the entire scene there's like atmosphere builds and there's like this high-pitched noise that like builds throughout the entire scene and then like you just realize something's kind of fucking it just puts you in this headspace this movie i don't know it's psychologically the way that spielberg makes you laugh and cry and feel things this movie makes you feel uncomfortable uh and then so that sets the scene and then you know weird shit happens in the intro and then we go to the kind of present day and i forget where this movie takes place um is it like is it england is it like some american city i I really don't remember i feel like yeah i'm not sure i think it's in the northeast in america yeah or something like that yeah it's just some kind of like east coast looking Mm -hmm. town and um yeah it's just the way that this movie builds the tension is is probably its biggest strength is just so masterful because again the way that Friedkin I don't know the way that he shoots stuff is very kind of um it's it's voyeuristic but with like an intent like with like a cinematic intent like he's I I would say that he's got a lot of the same qualities that Kubrick does in terms of just like framing and and stuff like that and uh yeah I mean we don't have to go over the whole thing but like the exorcist is just the once we get into the shit with with Reagan and with uh, the Ellen Bernstein Burstyn character, 
uh, Jesus Christ, it's it's yeah. it's so masterful the way it's done, and it's something that people have never ever ever seen before at the time, mm-hmm. and to this day I think it's one of the greatest horror movies, and I think it works. Mm-hmm. I saw it like maybe two years ago was the last time I saw it with a friend of mine who had never seen it, and my friend's like, oh, I love horror movies, but he like he watches all these like PG thirteen horror movies that get put on Hulu <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> and I was like, you should watch The Exorcist, and then we did, and and I think it was a little too slow for him. But for me, like that, that's, that's the, that's what I love is when I get a slow burn movie like this. And I love, this is the ultimate slow burn. Yeah. Yeah, This, this movie was so scary that people started going back to church at mass. Yeah. Uh, That's how scary it was. Like, yeah, there was a massive uptick in people going back to church because they're like, I don't want to get, you know, (laughs) possessed by the devil. Um, It's, it's, you know, has there, was there ever a story like this done before? I mean, not not like this. I mean, not you like could this, right? you could say a uh, fucking um, it's like some of Polanski's movies. Like, what was it? Uh, Rosemary's Baby, Baby was a movie, yeah, and it's kind of close. It's kind of close, but but you know what's funny is this is this is actually feels like one of those classic cinematic kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah. That's fucking scary. Like like if you're thinking about things that are just scary, you get possessed by an otherworldly thing, and you start to freak out and it's something that connects with a lot of people because they believe this yes yes we don't have to like world build oh it's a fucking dragon from another universe it's gonna get into no it's just the devil and (laughs) yeah right it's the devil and also um the movie's not stylized in any way it's not you know uh, the satanic rites of dracula with christopher lee like it's not some kind of crazy insane thing where at the at the at the jump you know that this is going to be some kind of crazy horror movie there's going to be maybe be some blood splatter and whatever you know the devil and the good guys are going to win uh the devil wins in this movie uh and uh you could say that you know it, it could be an allegory for just you know the world in general, but uh, the devil absolutely fucking wins in this because uh, the you know w- with the priest character uh, at least it overcomes him. So um, yeah, it's just a great, great kind of grounded version of uh, of just like a possession movie. And uh, it, Billy Friedkin is uh, Billy Friedkin is like the reason that this works so well because he was so gung ho about it. He was like, I don't give a shit because I mean it's still the seventies and like the people like are religious. Like, you know, the, the yes, flower power and all that stuff is happening. But like the majority of America is like very conservative Christian. And then you put out this movie and they're like, why this is satanic? Why would you do this? Why would you make actors do this? Like you're you're conjuring up these spirits for real. And just th- his character as a director, as like a filmmaker, as a person, he's just like, a, I don't give a fuck. I just I love making these movies. I don't care. This is whatever, you know. Yeah, this film, this one was very, uh, very popular. I mean, it made yeah. a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, contrary to whatever people think it's like blasphemous or whatever, but that shit scared people. And that's what that's that that is like it's that is like one of the core things. If you can get something that really scares people, like people are people are down for it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, down for it and they're going to pay for it. Yeah. And you're right. Like uh, before this, you know, we had Dracula, like we had monsters and we had things that are spirit adjacent, but not anything that really, I think, focused purely just on the demonic presence uh and that scares people uh it's an it's an inherent thing and that's why i love these types of horror movies and we're gonna get into them is that uh it doesn't you know i mean yeah reagan turns into kind of a movie monster 
uh, you know, your mother sucks cocks in hell yeah. and, you know, her head starts spinning and shit. But like, ultimately it's like a fear that is, you know, dark, like darkness is all around you, right? Like the, 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 the ultimate fight between light and darkness is, is all around you. You can see evil out on the streets and especially back then, you know, in the seventies, they were seeing it. Uh, Vietnam was raging and all that shit. So like, it's it, it's something that was already in the ether and he was able to just like make people aware of it and, and bring it into a horror movie. And uh, I like that. The entire conjuring thing universe is, is just this. this. Yeah. It's yeah. just this. Um, even, even I forget, was that also the kind of the same with uh, the uh, insidious? I forget. I forget kind exactly of. what the, yeah, sort of it's more or less adjacent. It's sort of, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're just, you know, you take the same thing and you can just make 20 movies. <laughs> You can, and they have, and uh, another another big one from the seventies off the off the heels of The Exorcist was The Omen was like another big one that yeah. they did where like the devil is your kid, um so but yeah like it starts this whole thing, uh but it, it more importantly for me it starts this like R rated horror thing that's not about the splatter but it's about it's just fucking scary uh like i think i told you the story when they were submitting the conjuring the first one because the conjuring like you said it's set in the 70s and james wan does a lot of like zoom lens a lot of composition that's like akin to the 70s because he's smart about it and they were they submitted it to the mpaa for a rating and the mpaa could not give them a content descriptor as to why the movie's rated r they just said it's rated r because it's fucking scary like we yeah. just don't it's something of it just gives us the heebie-jeebies and it doesn't feel like there's no you know there's no f words in it there's no over the top gore in it we just cannot give it a pg-13 because it's just it just makes us feel things and i yeah. love i love those types of um yeah these types of movies yeah basically it would scare the shit out of 13 year olds so. yeah yeah it just makes you feel uneasy and you can't quite put your finger on it it's like is it actually the devil like what is it what is it in my consciousness that makes me believe in this stuff or is mm. is it real or am i just making it up or is it have i been indoctrinated through society that you know there's a devil and there's a light side what is it so it's very interesting it's very psychological mm -hmm. yeah i mean regardless of whether or not it's the first possession movie it's definitely the one that that executes the premise Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly, yeah. perfectly. And everything that we, you know, again, taking this little girl and turning her into what they do in the movie is like heresy, dude. It's, uh, it's unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's why it's such a great film. Such a mm -hmm. great film. Um, and it employs a lot of movie, like cinematic tricks, like a lot of movie magic stuff, like the makeup, the way that it's done and, and some of the staging of the, the special effects and stuff. And that scene where she's just like fucking puking all over the room and stuff. Like it's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's some great. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, all right. So my number 43 is another Milos Foreman movie. Uh, Amadeus. Amadeus. Yeah. The uh, biopic ish thing of, of Wolfgang mm -hmm. Amadeus Mozart uh, mm -hmm. told uh, through the lens of this guy, Antonio, Sol I forget how you say his name, but it's basically this guy who was his wife yeah, yeah, yeah. during his life. And he sort of frames the story about, you know, um, how he saw Amadeus's life and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And mm -hmm. um, it's just like, it's just like a, like what I love about this movie is that it really goes there about like who Mozart was as a person. He was, a, he was just yeah. a degenerate child. He was absolutely was a degenerate. Yeah. I love him. He wrote a song called Lick My Ass. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I yeah. love it. <laughs> he's just, he's that guy in class who's really smart, but he's <laughs> kind of a douchey dick. He's kind of a 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. He's a 12 year old at heart, but he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. And, and the character, it's such a perfect way to frame it because it's like, how the fuck is this dumbass kid so More, brilliant? Right, right. But he, he, 
but it's so cool because the character is able to totally, totally appreciate all of the beauty of, of his work. And so because we're seeing it through him, then we really appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just, the acting is incredible, yeah. incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, and yeah, the direction is great. And it's about Mozart, right? One of the greatest composers of all time. Yeah. And you get all the great stuff with the music, all the funny stuff with him, like the laugh, <laughs> <laughs> the laugh and like the craziness, like, like he's just such a great character. Like they're both great characters. Mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. of them. Um, yeah, it's it's an absolutely brilliant film. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. And there's film. there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of like really cool stuff built into it. This is a, this is a movie that uh my mom really likes. Like my mom likes a, like a handful of movies. She's like she likes Gone with the Wind and you know like a couple of these things and everything else is kind of just movies for her. But like every time I I don't remember what it was, but like I brought up Amadeus for some reason and she was just like oh like you could tell like some kind of some fucking synapse somewhere in her brain like went off and she was like i remember that movie i cried at that movie and i was like yeah (laughs) it's pretty good yeah Yeah. it's it's really great and yeah i mean there's just so much good content there right The, the the whole time period is very interesting it's basically these guys who are kind of just hang around rich people and make art it's kind of insane it's kind of insane when you think about it yeah there's like a psych there's like a pathology to it um that is weird like these these people are fucking nuts and they have no they have nothing really else to worry about so they'll just like you know eat and write music and fuck and whatever yeah yeah for real it's just like eat chill like they have these massive mansions and like Mm -hmm. they're they they dress and act in these very kind of weird pompous ways yeah you know, um, everybody's they, a character. Yeah, everyone's a character. Yeah, totally. And I love the scene like they like they have the scene where they first kind of meet and Mozart does a riff on a song that he created. And he, of course, mm-hmm. makes it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, well, here, here he is. Here we, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a love, great yeah. it's a great rivalry movie. Uh, there's a couple there's, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's like, there's a couple movies like this that are just like the two, ge- the, the geniuses competing and you know, that kind of thing. But more than that, I think it's a great example of how to do a biopic. Um, it is, yeah. it's like, a it kind of brought it back because like we've been after this movie, I feel like we've seen a shit ton of biopics, uh, in the coming years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they, but like I was saying, there's so like the operas are beautiful and it's just such a great way yeah. to give us a film that gives us that, but also gives us character too. And does all this stuff with good direction and these great set pieces. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's, you know, it's just an interesting time period and interesting characters, but like it needs to be more, you know, we need to create a real story that's actually right. can, you know, like, like your, <laughs> make your mom cry. Exactly. Just listening to beautiful operas, maybe won't always get that emotional impact, but like telling the story this way is really going to mm-hmm. affect people. It's mm-hmm. a brilliant mm-hmm. film. I just, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I love it too. It's, it's, it's one of the greats for sure. Um, yeah. cool. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my number 43. Amadeus. Cool. Amadeus. Awesome. Uh, speaking of the greats, um, number 42 is absolutely one of the greats. Evil dead Two. Uh, one of the yeah. greats in its genre for sure. Um, you know, it's just it, groovy. Uh, what what can you say about Evil Dead Two? It's such a weird movie, and it's it's so great because it works. It's it's such a it's it's amazing. So the first Evil Dead, kind of a weird, unassuming, very intense 
horror movie shot on like literally no budget yeah Yeah. but like it's very intense though like it's very horrific um but what they really what evil dead really does that some of the other movies kind of weren't doing is that it really amps up the 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 gore and the violence in in such a way that is like those 70s 60s dracula movies wished they could be uh and a lot of practical effects people's fucking faces melting and decomposing into worms and like all this crazy crazy shit uh, and then Evil Dead 2, rather than picking up from there, is like re envisions the entire first movie. And it just, it is non stop. It is non stop a thriller. Right? The movie is like less, it's like 84 minutes, I think. <laughs> it is, it is the most absolute, like, it's a circus of just practical effects and gore and wacky camera angles and Bruce Campbell in a room basically making faces and holy shit. I mean, I cannot do this movie justice enough. If you haven't seen evil dead Two, don't even watch the first one. You don't have to worry about army of darkness. Just watch evil dead Two. If you want like a crash course of like, what is like, what is a movie like, like a fucking spectacle of a movie, but it's just gore pretty much. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that, you know, Peter Jackson was making and would, would continue to make. Uh, but this is just Sam Raimi completely unfiltered. Sam Raimi is one of my probably top five filmmakers. Um, I love his movies so much. And it's again, the reason I love the Spartacus is just is so over the top. This is like, this is insane. It's just fog machines in a cabin and just gallons and gallons and gallons of blood. Uh, and, but more than that, it, it introduces kind of like, the badass action horror protagonist guy. Like they make Ash basically into like an action figure in this movie. Like they're still selling action figures of Ash. Bruce Campbell, I saw him, um, I met him at a book tour he did a couple years ago. I got him to sign a copy of Evil Dead 2. Uh, really fucking cool guy. Uh, cult, everything Everything about this movie is cult. But uh, it's it's an absolute spectacle to behold in terms of just raw fucking like, it's just pent up. I don't know. This movie feels pent up to me. Uh, by the time they get to this point, Sam Raimi made like a, he made like a slapstick comedy. Um, I forget what it's called, but like he, he, he makes evil dead and he gets the attention of Stephen King and some of these other people. And then they kind of get him, they put him in Hollywood and he's making slapstick. He's doing all this weird, like camera tricks (laughs) and stuff. And it doesn't really work and nobody really knows what to do with him. And so then he goes back to the kind of the original, how it started. And he's like, all right, motherfuckers, these are my raw cinematic talents here. Here it is. And then after this, you know, he becomes Sam Raimi pretty much. Um, but yeah, what a fucking crazy movie. The Raimi, the like, the Raimi isms are so interesting, uh, especially in these movies. And yeah, the Evil Dead too, where it's like comedy, 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 like yeah. slapsticky, crazy yeah. comedy with mm-hmm. like some fucked up shit. Some like really fucked up horror shit. So yeah. was it in this movie where like the evil twin kind of stuff happens? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and isn't there like some scenes where he's like fighting himself and There's... it gets really cartoony? There's quite a scene. Well, and and they do it again in Army of Darkness, where like uh, another version of him like grows out of his fucking like shoulder or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they're in a barn. It's a little tiny version. The of little him. tiny ones, yeah. yeah. And he's like Gulliver. Like they they Gulliver it basically. Like Sam Raimi, he's not afraid of like showing his influences. Basically, like he's very much like he he likes. He's another one of those students of of the old movies. Uh, yeah. And but in particular, he's a student of like shit 
like while you know Coppola and, and George Lucas were studying like John Ford like, he was, and Kurosawa and, shit. and Kurosawa yeah he was studying The Fly and you know yeah. Forbidden Planet and and just really culty shitty movies yeah uh, <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of what where this is but yeah this has got the 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 evil twin this has got the uh, the chainsaw arm yeah uh, this he is, cuts his hand off right like he, he cuts he his gets... hand well his hand he cuts his hand off and then his hand reanimates and starts yeah. fucking with him yeah. <laughs> It's so great, dude. Yeah, it's just it's just so interesting, like how it's that's horrific. The guy had to cut his hand off. It's a very thinks, visceral scene when he's cutting his hand off because he's using a lot of wide angle lenses, and it's just Bruce Campbell's face. He's just like ah, you know. <laughs> and then, and but then he like he like creates like almost a comedy. It's absolutely like, a horror comedy. It's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, it's so crazy how he's able to always kind of you know, do that back and forth. Cause like him and his brother, his brother's in a bunch his, of his brother's his in like all of his movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, I think they started in comedy or they do a lot. They've done a lot of comedy and still do yeah. a lot of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they really like have no fear of putting that in the films. Um, None. <laughs> yeah. And you're just going back and forth and you're like, Oh my God. And then, but then you're like laughing your ass off. Yeah. Well, it, it, you're like, you have to laugh. He, 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 he nails, he dials it up to that point. There's a point where too much becomes funny. So, so the premise, yeah, the, the beginning yeah. premise of evil dead is it's a, like an exorcist premise. There's an evil book and the spirits of this book are reanimating the dead and doing, and all this fucked up crazy shit to this house basically and to the people in it. And that's a scary premise. And that's kind of what the first movie was about. And then this, they dial that up to right to the right amount of where it's just so crazy that you can't help but laugh. Like the audience has to laugh because if they don't laugh, it's just too uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and he, he nails that kind of balance and that this 84 minutes of this movie is just that it's, it's, it's a, it's a roller coaster. It goes up and down. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's an absolute roller coaster of a movie. It's, it's crazy. And yeah. Yeah, I just and, love the Ramiisms. Like they're, they're just—it's always there in every movie. In every movie, movies. every movie. That's why I love These movies. It. Yeah, we'll talk about the Spider-Man movies, but that's why that there's a scene in Spider-Man Two where uh, Doc Ock, like he's in the hospital or whatever, and you got the doctors and they're making jokes or whatever, and they're about to saw off his octopus arms. That sequence is an Evil Dead sequence. Yeah, one hundred percent. You're getting the POV shots of the fucking. Um, of the claws and it's like the it's like the pov shots of like the evil and the evil dead like running up to people and mm -hmm. stabbing them and shit and there's just people screaming and like reaching for saws and trying to cut the arms yeah. off i mean it's and then like and then like ah! <laughs> yeah then he's dead and it's it's very fucking visceral but that's it. that's the kind of shit that he does and that's why i love the, the like yeah. you said the Ramiisms. but yeah. this movie is unfiltered it is unbridled yeah. it is all out there and yeah, that's why i love it like in Spider-Man one, like what, like like the uh, what was the villain? Um, the Goblin. The Green Goblin dude was just like, <laughs> this dude just went hundred percent. Like my favorite was like MJ and I, we're gonna have a hell of a time. It's like, yeah. whoa, okay, dude. Like 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 you went there. It's like yeah. <laughs> you can't. I, do I love the Ramiisms. I just love the Ramiisms. Do so you know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, uh, but no, Spider-Man 2 is really the one. He's like, avenge me. No. Avenge me! Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Hey!" laughs> no! He throws the thing. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. <laughs> like, oh. like, 
Like, and the thing too was like, I remember there was one time I, I watched like Evil Dead. The first one? Then I watched, well, I think it was maybe the first or the It was probably the first. And then I watched like Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. And then it totally like kind of clicked for me. Right. Like yeah. it made sense what he was doing. Like why he was doing like the shit where he's dancing, which has now become kind of a, a meme in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, it's almost yeah. like sort of, but I remember like seeing at the time people were fucking pissed. People were fucking pissed. And I remember watching it and I was like, I know I, I get it. Even in 2007, like I had, I had seen evil dead two. And I think I'd seen maybe like dark man from him. Right. Yeah. The, the Liam Neeson one. And I was like, mm-hmm. I kind of get it. Like he just does the off the wall shit. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was genuinely funny. People did not think it was funny because we were still at that point where the comic book nerds were like, you're fucking with my Spider-Man. No. <laughs> well, I think, I think the problem, there was a lot of problems there because Hollywood, they Hollywood did that. That was the real, cause he didn't even want to do that Venom storyline. Anyway. No, no. Um, it's, you can so, tell like it's so layered over the yeah, top. It's yeah. just not necessary. Cause like they, the, the storyline with uh, the other villain, like the Sandman, dude, yeah, Sam, man, that stuff yeah. is actually really beautiful that he does well, there. It, well, he, well, he, he was try, just trying to tie off. He was just trying to do the trilogy thing where the, yeah. the, the third one has something connected directly to the first one. It's with the mm-hmm. Uncle Ben's killer and whatever. Like, yeah. And the, then the villain has the daughter that he's you know, protecting and whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, that that stuff. But, like, it really maybe makes sense of it. It's like, oh, it's this is just he's relating it the same way in Evil Dead when the, when the fucking twin and he's, like, fighting mm-hmm. himself. This is right. the Peter Parker version. He just... He amps up to an eleven like that. Yeah. That montage is actually really funny. Like it's very funny. Like on the, he's like that 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 girl next door. He's like, yeah, yeah. Give me some more milk with my cookies. Yes. And, and, like he, and then he's like, he's like at work, yeah. and he's like talking on the phone or something. And then there's the other chick who's like way into him. Yeah, the um, Betty, I think the the re- the receptionist or whatever. The receptionist, and then yeah. he's like out there fucking dancing and shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> No, but that that that's literally it. That's literally like the That's the, the, the Ramiisms. That's what it is. That's him yeah. in a nutshell, you know. And I mean and and he wouldn't have been as successful if it wasn't for just like how inventive all this stuff is cuz like you can you could go you could go you could jump the shark and you can go off the wall and do stuff like this, but like he's really inventive in terms of like camera tricks and camera angles and again practical effects. Like that first Spider-Man movie with the Green Goblin has a shit ton of practical effects to the point where if you're watching it now you could say, "Oh, this looks shitty." Um, I I think it's a better choice than to do shitty CGI. Although there is a lot of shitty CGI in that movie too. But like a lot of like um that scene of like uh, MJ like latching on to Spider Man where he's like swinging and she's just like hanging on to like a mannequin basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you can yeah. tell. But like those are the kinds of like really old school slapsticky kind of uh, his approach to to making these movies. Um, and I, I love that. And again, Evil Dead Two is just. It's the most over the top and it's the most adult one for sure um, that he's probably ever made. I mean, the first Evil Dead movie had the scene where the, with the vines, with the with the girl being raped by the vines, which is, again, that's fucking hardcore and that's horrific. And then in the second one, he just dials it up to like, this is not even horrific anymore. This is this is so over. This is just too much. I need to laugh now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's 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 so unique and so interesting. Um, it's it a very like really works. Yeah, it works. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, even if you're not in it for the horror or the comedy, if you're if you're interested in like a student of like practical effects and just like uh, camera tricks and stuff like that, like this movie will absolutely do it for you as well. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, Yeah. All right. So my number 42 is uh, one of the great movie titles of all time. Dr. Strange Love or or I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb from 19th directed by Mm -hmm. Stanley. 
this is a very interesting because it, it has to deal with a very kind of serious subject. Us, uh, the human race, annihilating itself because our <laughs> nuclear stockpile is so large that yeah. a, 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 a literal accident could annihilate the human race. Let's play that for laughs. Uh, yeah. And and they, they decided to do that because that was like the only way that, that this stuff could actually really kind of, uh, I don't know, get through to people yeah. in a way yeah. that doesn't make you want to sort of, I don't Just, know, have an like, existential crisis. Yeah, right. Roll up into a ball and hide under your bed forever. Yeah. Because what I really love about this, like there's a lot of funny stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The Peter Stellar stuff is so, so funny. Good. Yeah. You can't fight in the war room, the like, you know, my fear I can walk and like just him just as the Doctor Strange of characters is so it's so funny because it's so like real. Like the yeah. American government literally did an operation where we took all these scientists from Germany, like Nazis, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like literal Nazis. And yeah. we took them and they founded NASA and they created all the ICBMs. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And it's like, how do we do that? Well, we have this over-the-top-ass character who speaks in the fatty, you know, like this crazy <laughs> fucking German voice. And he's always smoking, and he's, like, fighting his arm. Like, no, no, don't do that. Don't show them that you're still a Nazi. <laughs> but this movie, it's so funny, and it's so real. Like, like this is, like, a real scenario that could have happened. Totally could have happened. Um, crazy general. Like, very easily could have happened. Like, how oh, yeah. these guys have gone kind of especially able, after you know? and especially after the hitlers and the stalins and the mussolinis and all that stuff like it's so easy to it's not even funny it but the movie makes it funny <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and um the thing too like like i love so like you know this whole thing happens where basically the world ends in this fucking movie as slim pickens is like yeah yeah, yeah trying yeah, to yeah. palm down yeah, yeah. um and the, the the plan that they lay out is a real thing. That was a real contingency plan. If if the world ended, they would take all of the basically the elite people, yeah, plus a bunch of random other people, and they take them down into some caves, and they would subsist there until it was over. Like that yeah. was literally that was a real thing. That was a real mm-hmm. contingency plan that they had. Mm-hmm. If we nuked the world into oblivion, mm-hmm. uh, the president and some generals and some other people, some random people they find would just. Go into a cave until the fallout ended 200, yeah. 300 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy movie that this movie so, uh, like, so summarizes what was going on at this time. The entire mentality, Cold War mentality. Yeah. We just they had guns. It was just, it was, it was literally a, a, a Mexican standoff between countries for, for 30 years, yeah, probably for more, 30 years. 40. Yeah. yeah. 30 years, yeah. I want to say. No, it's, it's crazy. And the, <laughs> I think that's the genius of it, right? That's why people love this movie so much is that it's 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 all of the seriousness, but it's all just played for laughs. And and you and it's and the Doctor Strangelove character is so over the top and he's so like unlikable. I don't know, like you can't help but like fucking laugh at it and just say like, "Oh, I get it. Like I could totally see this." I don't know. I'm not saying he's unlikable, like he's he obviously he's Peter Sellers and he's funny, but like I don't know. It's just it's just too much. It's almost it's almost to the point of parody. That like the only like you said, the only way that we can make sense of this is if we're just laughing about it. And that ties into the title. Right. Like if you just if you cannot laugh about this stuff, it, it's it's too grim, basically. And it's not too grim because, you know, we're talking about evil spirits or whatever. This is reality at this time. This is actually the real world. The real world was that fucking tense and scary. And so it's amazing that they were able to nail that balance 
uh, it to just push it into the yeah, kind of like the Cuban the Missile Crisis. Crisis. When did the Cuban Missile Crisis happen? That was like '63, dude. That was like right. That before was a this year before out. this. And yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever really gotten into what happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis. The world should have ended. Like one hundred percent. There was yeah, yeah. Uh, some I forget his name, um, but there was a guy. Basically, the there was a there was a Russian sub that had nukes that yeah. could not communicate with with anyone. Um, we the Americans had a blockade, mm-hmm. and so they started shooting death charges at this <laughs> sub yeah. that had nukes. Nukes. And there was one guy who said, "No, we're not going to shoot." It's it's that that story in and of itself is fucking insane. Because yeah. when you when you really understand what happened, they um they were basically the 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 sub was malfunctioning, so they were in like hundred degree heat in the yeah. sub yeah. while being fired upon. Yeah, and one guy's like, "No, we're not going to." And so they could have ended the world right there, ended the world basically, it or is killed three billion wi- people or something. Widely like that. believed to be the closest, like an ass hair away from nuclear war yeah the closest it's ever happened yeah yeah it's crazy it is crazy like how close the human race and then in the 80s there was another just total fluke where the russians (laughs) thought they were seeing missiles come they they like as far as what they saw the missiles were coming and they still didn't all all they had to do was press the button and that's it (laughs) the 20th century is so fucking crazy it's so crazy (laughs) it is it is it is yeah, like the like the World War the two, two, the dictators, World Wars, the dictators, the Cold War, the Vietnam, the fucking Pol Pots, everything, dude, everything. So right. <laughs> so, so, so this, this, like, if you try to think about it and contain it in your head, your mind will explode. And I think that's part of the 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 genius of this movie is just like let's just fuck. It's it's. I think it's like probably one of the first movies that is openly like the world is a comedy. Basically, it's just like everything. It's all a fucking joke. Like there's, it it makes no sense that we were able to get to this place. Uh, You know, and they just turn it into an actual comedy. And they were, he was savvy enough to get Peter Sellers to just do fucking Peter Sellers, um, which is great. Yeah, I mean all of it. And again, another thing they talk about in this movie that um, I forget what exactly they called it, but it's basically a countrywide dead man switch where. Literally, yeah. like when they get hit with the nukes, there's something that automatically fires up more nukes. Mm-hmm. Astronomically insane yeah. that this is the auspice that the human race lived under and yeah. still sort of lives under. I mean, you know, there's well, I think that we faced other. I don't know if I'm again, an accident could happen where someone, oops, oh, they press a button. Absolutely. Then, you know, it could still absolutely. happen. Yeah, I think if for better or worse, I think the world's just gotten so much better at like communicating with with you know with the internet like just sending messages and stuff so that a cuban missile crisis doesn't happen uh but now everything is just hyper 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 politicized but i don't know i don't know if that's better or worse than constantly everybody having their asshole clenched over like are the are the fucking are the rockets in there like we have all this surveillance and stuff in place to know if the rockets are coming or not and all this intelligence uh, but it's all happening at once. The CIA, the surveillance stuff, the spy stuff, everything is happening at the same time when this movie comes out. And it is it is too much to 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 bear. And so it's a cathartic kind of a movie, but it also kind of leaves you with it. I mean, the world ends in the movie. So, yeah, I don't know. It yeah. it leaves you kind of feel it leaves you with a little bit of that Kubrick uh, yeah. uh-huh. nihilism. <laughs> That nihilism, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, especially like coming out a year after the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, it feels very apt, like way too... There, there's like another movie I really liked. I saw it this year, Failsafe, which kind of plays... Uh, it tries to play it straight. I've heard about it. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a great movie. I really like it, and it's it's no shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. The I have that. I think I've heard about it. I bought that fucking movie. I have the Criterion Blu-ray of it back there. Yeah. I just haven't watched it yet. It's beautiful. I love that movie. I watched it this yeah. year, and I I was absolutely uh, blown away by it. Um, this yeah. Th- yeah, dealing with this subject is very hard, but I'm glad that people try to approach it because. It's so big, right? It's so big. Yeah. It's so big. And especially at the time, it was so kind of, you know, they, they they didn't want to show their hand either side. Wanted to like really know what they were capable of. Yeah. But we all knew it was absolute annihilation of the human yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the Cuba Missile Crisis is like an embarrassment, I think, like at a point of embarrassment for the U.S. Uh, because of how like fucking close they were. But in a way, it kind of showed, it kind of made everybody take a step back and be like, yeah, the Americans are crazy, but woo. Like you think about it for a second, you're like, we don't actually want this to happen, like ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think both sides, because like you know, that was a moment of real escalation. Like you know, Fidel Castro wanted the nukes in Cuba. We, you know, the the fucking Bay of Pigs, which is like just one happened, of the yeah. yeah one of the absolute worst things. Um, yeah. like Kennedy did. Um. Yeah, and it just it just all snowballed into that moment, and thankfully people were able to like kind of back away and de-escalate. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that was the moment where people where it was really getting close, close. It was close. really because really, like yeah. Americans were putting the nukes in Turkey, and the Russians found that to be a threat. So then they do the the nukes in in Cuba and Cuba, and then they try to invade, blah blah blah, and it's just like, dude, you're this close. Yeah. And the thing is, like, they, they, they almost have no control, right? That's what's even scarier and crazier. And that's yeah. what's kind of, like, what this movie does so well is it's not that the president wants to press the button. That's one thing. If the president decides, I'm going to press the button. Okay, that's fucking crazy. But at least that's how it's supposed to work. Some rogue guy who's going off spouting about liquids yeah. and fluids. And yeah. uh, I, won't, I won't let them give me my fluids when I have <laughs> sex with women. Yeah. That guy decides to end the world. Mm-hmm. holy shit yeah that 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 is and that and that's again that's basically what happened um the the president gives some order it's not that if the president knew that they were attacking a sub with nukes he would have said don't do it but yeah. no one could communicate and we are almost in the situation where the world ends yeah <laughs> if it's not yeah. for one guy saying yeah I, th- I think it's better for us to just die instead of <laughs> instead of pressing the button <laughs> yeah craziness dude it is crazy crazy it is crazy, absolutely crazy. crazy yeah i'm gonna watch failsafe I, I i recently picked it up on like a criterion sale because i'm uh trying to pick up as many silly sydney lumet movies as i can mm-hmm. so i'm gonna watch yeah. that one too and now yeah now you've got me thinking about you got me thinking about uh spartacus and uh the cold war so yeah i really like failsafe a lot failsafe would be on my top like two or three hundred it would definitely make it i really Sweet. liked it yeah it just it, it takes it takes a different approach to it um but i think it still is trying to deal with because you know another thing too so there was a guy from a beautiful mind i forget uh nash okay. so nash came up with the whole nash equilibrium theory right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. that you kind of treat everything as a prisoner's dilemma and as long as you, you know, and, and this is, but it's, but then we find out that he's like a paranoid schizophrenic. And he's it's insane. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, we put that on a national scale. 
the whole world was operating under the the idea that you have to act like you're totally paranoid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> Doctor fucking Strange Love. Yeah. It, forever. For for is a historical document. I mean, if nothing else, if if you don't even know what the, I mean, it's a it's a funny enough movie on its own. But if you really take the time to dig into what was happening around the time when that movie came out, it 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 gets better with every every layer of research that you do. That it movie does. just it gets so much better every it really does. the more you read into it. Yeah. And that's crazy. the thing like about these Kubrick movies, he really goes deep. Like he he's the type of guy who would get obsessive about a topic yeah. or a subject. Yeah, and that's why it took him so long to get movies made. I mean, it took him years to to get movies out. Uh and it, it, thankfully he got to a point where he could do kind of whatever he wanted. Um mm-hmm. so, you know, that's helpful too, but yeah. Uh what a what a talent. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, the more I watch this film, the more I love it because it just get, it gets funnier. You know, it, there's more things I understand about it. There's more historical stuff I understand about it, and it just gets richer and richer. And it's just like, wow, how how accurate it is, but how funny it is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, just all of it. I love it. Yeah, it's crazy. One of the greats. Uh, okay, so we made it to the we made it to forty one, right? Yeah. We're 41. Cool. Well, we have to talk about, we've been uh, pussyfooting around it for long enough, but now we finally made it to the point on my list where we can talk about David Lynch. David Lynch, to me, is like absolutely top three filmmakers for me personally. Mm -hmm. And it depends who you ask. Uh, Did it come from the ether? Is it the transcendental uh, meditation? Is that that theory that like everything is, uh, is there's like a layer of consciousness that we can all dip into and, and pull ideas from. But I remember from a young age, I've always been obsessed with, uh, and it's very obvious based on this list. I'm always obsessed with the dark side of things. Like the, I never believe the veneer of whatever the thing may be. I always try to think of like, what's the flip side of it? Like no, one thing can be perfectly good to me uh and when i found david lynch movies is when i found like oh there's a guy that fucking his entire worldview is based on that so number 41 is mulholland drive one of the many david lynch movies that are gonna uh, populate this list as we go up uh he's there's a scene in another movie we're gonna talk about that like made me realize that like i want to make films in the first place but mulholland drive is it's it's on the list and uh, definitely on the list and a lot of people consider it to be the greatest movie of the 21st century so far um i don't know uh but the more you it what i like about his movies is that, is that they have so many layers and i'm not talking about like layers to like you you do research about like you know the cold war or whatever and you unlock more layers or like the the story the plot itself is layered it's not that it's uh everything to him is an idea everything mm-hmm. comes as an idea and he services the idea that's how he describes it so what's mulholland drive about well it's an la movie so it's got that going for it um it's about basically the the beginning of it, I guess, let's say the premise is this. There's a actress on, on her way to some party on Mulholland Drive, and there's a car accident that happens. Everybody dies in the car accident except for her, and she's she wakes up with amnesia, and she kind of gets away from the car accident from seeing the crime, and she has to kind of piece together who she is, and she ends up in this house where another girl who is coming in from buttfuck nowhere wins a Jubilee contest, uh, and she gets basically like she wins some money to be able to come to L.A. to live out her dream of being an actress in Hollywood to make it big in Hollywood. So it's a Hollywood movie. It's an L.A. movie. It's a Hollywood movie. Uh, and it's basically about, you know, try to make it big in Hollywood. But, but it's made by David Lynch. So it's 
fucking weird. Mm -hmm. uh, David Lynch's particular brand of surrealism is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like, this is probably one of his least obtuse movies. Uh, it's probably his absolute least obtuse movies out of all the movies that he's done, I think. This one, and well, not counting Dune, but Dune is whatever. Uh, not counting Dune and, like, The Elephant Man, I want to say. This is probably the, the least obtuse, like, purely Lynchian movie. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to get too far deep into it because every single movie that he makes is a mystery. And the work that you have to do to unravel that mystery is what the whole thing is about. And I have my thoughts and ideas of what all of the symbolism in the movie is. But trust me when I say there's not a single thing wasted in one of his movies. If there's a fucking guy, you know, sweeping for like an uninterrupted shot of two minutes, it means something, right? Yeah, exactly. um, and so that's what I love about his movies. And it's not for everybody because it, it does just get a little too weird. And there's comedy in it that they like, there's some scenes like in Mulholland drive, like the scenes where the two, uh, the Castiglione brothers come into the, there's like a, there's a boardroom. There's like a director and a couple of producers. And they're like trying to, um, they're telling him basically like they're going over the casting of the movie. And like, who are you going to cast in this movie? And the Castiglione brothers come in and they're these, like this mysterious force that's, above the producers and they sit down and they don't say a fucking word and but they know that one of them is really into coffee so they bring him in this espresso and the guy takes a shot of espresso he like he like you know moves it around his mouth a bit and then he spits it out on a, on like a on a hanky and he's, and he's making all of these like gross sounds <laughs> And and then and then somebody else in the boardroom starts to freak out. They're like, ah, ah, no, oh shit! And then he's like, ah, the coffee, the coffee's bad. Like, it's, it's he he goes to these places and yeah. it, it completely throws you out of the experience. But again, every single one of those things has a deeper meaning. Uh, coffee in David Lynch movies symbolizes waking up from something and everything to him is a dream. And people say that everything he does is dream logic. And that's kind of what surrealism is. I, yes, but also no, I don't know. There's a lot I could say about, I'm, I'm a huge David Lynch scholar, but uh, Mulholland Drive makes it to number 41. It's widely considered to be his best film. It's not my personal favorite but I can see how it's probably his best one in terms of the idea is super clear in this movie. It's more clear than any of his other movies. The idea of what this movie's about, um, about chasing the Hollywood dream and how that gets muddled and how the darkness of that kind of bubbles up. Cause that's kind of, you know, it's, it's always like an idealistic, uh, small town setting. And then like the, some fucking degenerate shit is happening. And yeah, certainly and Hollywood is the most degenerate, stuff and uh he goes for it in this movie he just it was at a time before okay i'm gonna let you in on a secret it's basically a me too movie but you wouldn't know that from watching it uh you'd have to watch it like three or four fucking times and then really mm -hmm. think about it but it's a it's a me too movie but he's not allowed that's what's brilliant about it he's not allowed to point fingers and to out anybody in particular but he's able to craft this narrative of like this absolute overarching darkness over this actress's life and how it ends her to basically, you know, yeah. kill herself in the movie. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what the movie's about, but you have to really be into the David Lynch mindset to understand like any of that stuff. Otherwise it's a kind of a neo-noir with like some horror ish elements to it. Um, and it's an op it starts out as like an optimistic thing and it ends up as a really, really depressing, really fucking depressing mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I just I love David Lynch movies. I love Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I've seen this one too. It's it's an interesting one. I think the Naomi White's 
uh, performance is absolutely incredible. Like she's she's so she's like one of the greatest actors ever. This, um, the, yeah, this movie is, and there's so many layers of irony to it too. Because prior to this movie, she was about to move. She was just gonna move back to Australia. Yeah, she, just get the hell out. No, that's the thing. She'd been going on um, audition. She'd been doing auditions for like ten years and just doing whatever she can, and she just yeah, was not crazy. being recognized. And um, yeah, and so again, but and you, and you think in the beginning of this movie when she comes, she comes down uh, the escalator from LAX and she sees Hollywood, and it's like this really cheesy fucking performance. And I'm like, oh no, is is this is this performance going to be this shitty? It's like he he's doing it on purpose. He's, yeah, he's doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's just such a brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah, I love I love it. I, I I think there's there's a lot of interesting stuff with this film. Um, yeah, I feel I I don't know if I'm like super into the 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 stuff uh like the really deep stuff like right for me right, right. i don't know if i can totally consume it well enough it just wrecks my brain so hard I'm like, <laughs> it does no it I does can... it totally does yeah, yeah and, and i'm just like what the fuck um yeah but you know i i don't know i i, I probably need to watch it again um i definitely like there's there's a lot of imagery that's very very strong and very interesting mm-hmm. in this film that shit with the monkey dude behind the garbage or whatever. Yeah. 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 That whole you scene. Know? It's such a brilliant scene. The guy who's just like, uh, yeah. um, he's just like, I had a dream and, and I was going to do this. And he's basically describing just the, the Hollywood kind of system that like, once you make it, you're basically just making deals with the devil and uh ultimately and like the way that it's shot it's like got this like floaty camera thing going on yeah. where it's like not shaky cam quite but it's like it's enough to make you feel dizzy uh as this guy is telling his story it's it's just a lot of really interesting choices yeah there's there's a lot of stuff there and like you, you were saying like there, there's a lot of distilled ideas in the movie with great acting and these great performances mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's a really interesting film, and like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm sure you've spent a lot of time thinking about the David Lynch stuff, the canon yeah. of stuff, what it yeah, means, yeah, yeah. what the what the different symbolism is, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm sure like that just adds a huge it layer does. of like when it you're does. really invested and you can understand and make connections. Yeah, it's and it really makes it worth worth worthwhile even more so than other things sure yeah yeah yeah. and i mean he's got it's it's he doesn't really start to do like the 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 david lynch movie as we know it doesn't really he doesn't do that until um blue velvet blue velvet is like kind of the one that like is just all of that is in it all of the super 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 deep level idea stuff is in it um but uh i feel like mulholland drive is kind of like the peak of it because then he kind of it's 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 mass market enough um because after that he just he dives deeply into like his artsy stuff that is pure like really incomprehensible like uh like inland empire yeah inland empire that's what i was thinking that's that's a it's it's purely that that's like a you got to watch that shit like 10 times to even begin to understand it but uh Yeah, no, this is this is the most palatable, I think. And it's the most it's got the, the most clear cut kind of story that like the average viewer can put it together and kind of put together that like at the very least, it's the 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 main character is betrayed by the very thing that she's obsessed with. You could put mm-hmm. that together at least. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so many more layers to it. So, yeah, I love all of his movies. Uh, and this movie, I, I don't like as uh, maybe as much as some of the other ones, uh, just because I have more of a stronger personal connection to some of his other movies, uh, but this is probably his most polished in his own way. The way that he tells the story is probably the most polished one he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah with really strong actors, like a lot of these really, 
like really powerful ideas, very cinematic ideas. Very cinematic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love the way, uh, just for fun, uh, you should look up the way that David Lynch describes watching a movie, uh, the way he describes, um, he says it's a very delicate balance, a delicate thing between you sitting in the chair and the lights going out and you watching this, the, the pictures on the screen. Because if you nail the balance just right, you're in that world. And like the way that he describes cinema, basically, and he's like, it's, it's like a it's like a magician performing a trick. It's like a chemical thing. And if you can get the audience to be like in the movie, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, it's like the more powerful than anything. And it's it just, yeah. he's just a really, he's a student of cinema. He loves it. He thinks that he, he treats it like he treats his paintings or his woodshop work or whatever. So I appreciate that a lot about him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a brilliant artist of, of film. Mm -hmm. um, definitely one of the greats. Yeah. All right. But so it's easy, my, it's also yeah. easy to make fun of just the, 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 the crazy wacky shit that happened. Oh, well, I remember like one of the, one of the, one of the things I remember going viral like back in the day was when he had some fucking rant about people watching movies on an iPhone. I love that clip. That was clip fucking so much. hilarious. Dude, I watched that so clip funny. like once a month, dude. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. You know, the other one I saw the other day that that kind of I was looking through like my favorites on um on YouTube and there's some shit from like 12 years ago on there. And so do you remember the one it was Ed Harris for a history of violence? They were at this big panel. No. Oh, dude, I got to show I'll send. I'll show yeah. you this at the end. Yeah, of this. we'll, we'll he, trade clips it's, after. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch. And then there's like the large Von Trier, what he said about, I think it was Melancholia. Yeah. Um, which, was it, was it Mel I believe it was Melancholia. Yeah. Which which one? Which which tirade of his are we he, talking about? So he, he, he said, I understand Hitler. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand Hitler. Yeah, it was Melancholia. Yeah. 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 yeah and then there's like Kirsten Dunst and then who's, I forget the French chick next to him. And they're and both Charlie Ginsburg, yeah. Yeah, Charlie Ginsburg. <laughs> it's funny because like Ginsburg kind of like has this this like, oh yeah, he said that. And fucking Kirsten Dunst is like, like about to run. She's about to run. <laughs> She's about to run out of the fucking building. <laughs> I but I love these fucking idiosyncratic weirdos. I don't know. I love these filmmakers because they're just fucking it's crazy, they're so great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They're just crazy. And, and that's the thing, right? It's like these kind of crazy out there people. It kind of plays into Mulholland Drive, right? Oh, they're, it's a, they're this, all this in business this, is crazy, dude. Dude, it's so crazy. It's, there's so many great scenes with the Justin Thoreau character, the director, where he goes like he goes to his house and his wife is just like in bed with another guy. And <laughs> then she's just and then <laughs> And then he just, there's like this great fucking, there's like a single take where he like walks out of the bedroom, goes to the garage. He gets like a two buckets of paint and then he goes in and he takes his wife's jewelry and just fucking dumps the paint in the jewelry and he just starts like messing with it. And then she starts climbing him and like fucking knocking on him like a cartoon, like now stop it. Like it, but it's all kind of to serve the, the, the comedy of just like the Hollywood, like the celebrity thing and how like meaningless it is. Yeah. Um, it's so fucking funny. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally absurd. Hollywood is an absurd, like it's the whole business across the board. And it's one at this point now, it's like it's basically one singular thing. Even even Europe, <clears throat> yeah. people who make stuff in Europe, yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's a circuit like basically the European thing is you go to Cannes, you try to sell a film and you you hustle stuff. And it's the same yeah. kind of people. It's the same stuff that sells all the time. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. all, you know, rehashed shit. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's just all self-dealing, basically. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's 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 an absurd, it's an absurdity. Yeah. So, and I can't think of anyone more absurd to 
kind of do a movie about it than than Lynch. But specifically, the the movie is really about like young actresses, uh, yeah. which is even more horrifying. But that's you know, I like the, the the horror that he injects in his movies is never like it's not that he's trying to do like an Exorcist or something. He's just the horror is just part of the world that he's yeah. talking about, whether it be a small neighborhood or or Hollywood or uh, what was it? Wild at Heart was like basically fucking Wizard of Oz. It's all it's all there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good good stuff. Um, all right, so my number forty one is a film from uh, Mr. Werner Herzog. Speaking of great Werner, yeah, dude. Uh, this is Fitzcarraldo. <clears throat> so Fitzcarraldo is one of those absolutely crazy movies where you go like, how in the fuck did they do? <laughs> where, where it's just like, wait, is this actually happening? Um, so this movie is about this guy Fitzcarraldo who decides he wants to build an opera house somewhere in the Amazon, like the Peruvian Amazon, uh, and he's trying to finance this project by doing all this this stuff, trying to sell rubber or whatever. Uh, but the reason why you watch this movie is they literally tug a fucking boat through the Amazon, and it's on like was it wires or like 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 some kind of some kind of suspension with with uh, with rope that they're pulling yeah. this thing up through a mountain. And yeah. it's like, what? Yeah, what yeah, am yeah. I watching? Is this is this real? And he really fucking did that. Yeah. He really fucking pulled a goddamn boat through a middle of nowhere in South Damn. America. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And um, was it Klaus Kinski is the lead? Mm-hmm. He's he's yeah he's 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 really good in this movie. He's he's always got solid performances in these Werner Herzog movies. Apparently, they kind of kind of struggled on this one together. Oh. Um, to the point where some guy offered Werner to kill him. I'm okay. serious. I did not know this. Yeah, I got to go I, back. I, I and was reading this, and this like shit. some random dude was like, "You know, I'll kill him for you. I'll kill him, and so you get insurance." <laughs> and it's like basically That's so funny. And he's like, "No, no, I need to finish the movie or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> but Werner Herzog just like goes there. His movies, dude. Uh, a Gary, the Wrath of God, just like going out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Him and Klaus Kinski and a crew and some other actors, and they just. Make a movie. Yeah. This movie's crazy what he did. Crazy. And it's just so epic. And, you know, the character stuff is good in this, too, because this guy, he's basically someone who, like, has his dream of doing this big thing. Mm-hmm. And he's going to these sort of amazing feats to to make it happen. You know, there's a lot of, like, filmic parallels there. Um, but it's just unbelievable seeing what they did to make this film happen. Crazy. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, Werner Herzog is, like... Absolutely, one of the mad men, like the fucking maniacs yeah. of the film world. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't really have too much to say about this particular movie because I haven't seen it yet. I've just, I know about it. I know about you know the the whole like the rigging of the boat and everything, but like I haven't fully seen it yet. I've only seen like a handful of his movies. Um, I'm more so I've seen like the stuff that he's produced and the stuff that he like some of the short documentaries that he's involved in uh, because he's got his fingers in a lot of those worlds too. Mm-hmm. But uh, like as a character, what a what a what a maniac! What an absolute maniac! Yeah, I mean yeah. like the talks like Grizzly Man. Um, that's I haven't <laughs> I've seen parts of that. But that's like yeah about some guy who just gets right he gets eaten by a fucking grizzly bear basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other Crazy. thing is he's 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 made so many fucking movies too. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He yeah, he's he's constantly working um yeah. in, in a different different uh different aspects. Yeah, but <laughs> I thinking, I love yeah. that uh he's he's found his own corner of the world or at least back then that he was able to just like you said show up with a crew and a guy and uh just make a movie and just, you know, set it in wherever it is um and just kind of document that area yeah yeah and this is this is a this is a crazy story it's just like 
you know, there's some films where you're just like amazed by what people are able to do, what they are able to pull off and accomplish. This is one of those films where it's just like, wow, like, mm. wow. And this is just some German guy who went to fucking <laughs> South America, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got to say, really. Yeah. Um, it's quite a film. It's definitely Werner Herzog is on my list of like, um, because I think I, I've told you before, sometimes when I watch movies, I, I like to just kind of like stick with a with a filmmaker for a while and just kind of like dig into and understand kind of where everything comes from. Uh, Werner Herzog, I've been I've been holding off on because he does have, he has so much stuff, so the myth around him, and he has made so many movies that like I haven't quite yeah. uh, dove deep into his stuff yet. I haven't even seen like the you know like the classics, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like this and Aguirre and and some of the other stuff. I haven't seen those yeah. yet, but uh. I will, and oh boy! Because <laughs> the thing too is, a lot of them now are docs. Like I'd say, I'd say oh, yeah. uh, he's probably done. I, I, he might have done more docs and features at this point. Probably now. no, for sure. Yeah, I think the last one. I think the last film he made was the one with Christian Bale. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember that one uh, where Bale yeah. got super skinny. Yeah, again. I saw, uh, again. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, and then I was like, "Who is it? this movie's weird?" Like that was a weird movie. Uh, for for what it was for like a prisoner of war movie that was like shot in a really interesting way. I was it like, was, who is this, yeah. who is this fucking like who is this man? And then I read about him and I was like, okay, oh, all right, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Werner Herzog's Fiskeraldo. That's that's all I got to say. So yeah, and dude. yeah, all right, cool. Well, I guess that's it for this uh, this section. Uh, we got yeah. through another another ten films. Yeah. What an interesting! I feel like it's uh, yeah, it's really coming together at this point. Like we we we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of the same stuff and um, just the, the discussions about like the insanity of both of our lists and like the kind of the mad whatever drives these people to make this these movies is is really interesting. Totally, yeah, yeah. It, film is like a crazy, it's a crazy art form, man. Like yeah. the fact that the fact that the, someone made a film about carrying a fucking boat up the Amazon and like, how, like, like if, if someone, if, if someone said, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the boat and we're going to take it up. The, like the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking? You're crazy. You're crazy. You just That's walk true. away. And then two, you know, 10 months later, you see the movie. You're like, Whoa, it's the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. That's <yeah>. film. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And I hope that, you know, th- that stuff is not going to completely die out. I hope there are going to be the fucking, you know, the psychos out there who are going to go out and with no backing or anything and make these movies like, you know, like these guys were making and and all that. Yeah, one can only hope. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, Hopefully we'll be back again soon with some more content for you. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Have a good night. We'll continue running it down. Have a good night. Thanks for hanging out.